Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel and our Hellraiser Retrospective Podcast, where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to WeirdGeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films, albums, and shorts that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Welcome back to the We Are Geeks Horror Channel, where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror franchise. Right now we're dealing with the Hellraiser films. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me throughout <laughs> both do very creepy chatterer mimes. Joining me throughout the entire 10 Hellraiser films, prepare yourself, is Katie Watson. Hello. And Justin Macaroni Maraconda. It's going to be hell. Every time I do your name, it's a tongue twister for me. Yeah. It's becoming, it again, you still- You've done it to yourself, though. Yeah. Well, it's because I started calling macaroni, which I could deal with, and I can deal with uh, maraconda, but, you know, macaroon, macaroni, could have just gone on anaconda macaroon. Oh, just an anaconda. That's a porn star name. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that a lot. (laughs) Macaroni could be a porn star name. Kind of my, well, it's been a good day. I'll see you later. See you later. (laughs) We're here to talk about Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. It came out in 1988. Are we? I thought we were here to talk about my name. <laughs> we're talking about your porn. <laughs> your <Yeah>. porn. <laughs> oh, this uh, wrong podcast. Whoops, let me put all this material away. That was time out. Uh, much of your commentary on this may uh I mean, that does look like it. a puzzle yeah. box that you have there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're just happy to see everyone. Oh, Jesus. Came out 23rd of December in 1988 in the US. 16th of June in 1989 oh, in the UK. I'm older than this. You're older than this yeah. film. Very nice. Suck it, movie. <laughs> you- uh, yeah, a nice little Christmas movie release, which is kind of strange. And also weird because this is still a UK movie, but it came out in June. So it came out like, what was that? I can't do math. Seven. Six, seven yeah, it works out like six, half a year. It's normal, it used to be. I remember growing up in UK. Six. America would get films and then England would get it half a year later. But weird for a film that is shot in. Yeah, this is mostly a UK British film town. still. Uh, in a British town. Do. Not directed by Clive Barker this time, directed by Tony Randall. Do you guys remember who Tony Randall is? No. (laughs) No. Tony Randall's the guy we talked about last week because he was brought in from New World Pictures uh, to help out. Even though he hadn't directed before, he was kind of in a producer chair on a few films. And they sent him over to check in on Hellraiser, how the shoot was going. And he was the one who came up with the idea for like... We, should, we need to pan on the floorboard, see Frank's like oh, crawling, yeah, yeah. do that entire scene. He added in a few other bits that were more uh, schlocky, shall we say, yeah. than what Clive Barker originally intended. But Clive was happy with it. So, yeah, they brought him in to direct this one. Clive Barker did not return. He was busy doing uh, book schedules. He had some books he had to turn in. Um, and he was also working oh, on Night library books. Yeah. Huh? All those library books he had, he had to, to turn in. <laughs> I got to return some books. <laughs> not videos, books. Yeah, and he was working on Nightbreed, which was his uh, next directing uh, job he was going to do. I've seen Nightbreed. Not great. <laughs> but but kind of, I mean, at least surreally fun and definitely ties into the Hellraiser world in many ways. In the comics, they cross over quite often. Uh, but he did turn in a story for this one. He then handed over screenwriting duties to Peter Atkins, who is an old friend of his. 
had never written a screenplay before. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, dude, uh, I'm going to give you the responsibility to write a multi-million dollar movie. Yep. Uh, thanks, man. Uh, I've never written before. Just, uh, you know, I've read a lot of books, so I think I'm qualified. Yep, basically. Uh, Peter Atkins seems like a nice guy. I watched a whole bunch of documentaries with him. He seems nice. He had certain intentions with this. And Clive Barker and Tony Randall had their own intentions as well. So he had sort of three minds here that were overlapping a lot, but then fighting against each other in places. Starring Claire Higgins uh, returning as Julia Cotton. Ashley Lawrence returning as Kirsty Cotton. Kenneth Cranham, a new uh, actor here for Dr. Philip Chenard and also the Chenard Cenobite. Imogen Borman as Tiffany. William Hope as Carl McRae. Sean Chapman returning as Frank Cotton. Simon Bamford as Butterball. Nicholas Vince as Chatterer and Chatterer 2. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, Barbie Wilde as the female Cenobite. Oliver Smith as Mr. Browning and Skinless Frank. Um, who's also returning and then deborah joel as skinless julia and of course doug bradley as pinhead and unnamed in the film i believe but captain elliot spencer music returning of christopher young who did so a great good. score from the first so one. good uh same dp as the first one as well robin vidgen i don't know if we mentioned him but he's returned as well budget did a little higher here give the first one was originally meant to be under one million ended up being one million this one was about three million dollars grossed good it did uh, 12 million domestic dang that's uh, a lot of dollars it originally made 14 million so it's going down a little bit but still hefty yeah uh, so this film was greenlit before the first one was even out i think as we mentioned last week uh the first one was in post-production this one was immediately put into production so they started writing it uh, we got a nice little heater turning on there in the background it's weirdly cold in, in LA today when you're inside. Well, our house is always really cold. Our insulation is old. That's true. That's true. Old insulation. All right, we just have a damp room that no one goes into. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Don't worry. Just don't bleed in there. We should have our bed in there. <laughs> yeah. Put so the attention here from Clive and many other people was because they went into production on this before the first one was even out. They didn't get a reception on the first one. So... Their intention was that Julia was going to be the continuing villain throughout the entire franchise. Their intention was they wanted her to be, in their words, the female Freddy Krueger, which is high praise. And I love when people in creative positions decide, oh, our thing is the new massive iconic thing. It's or like, you it's don't like get to the decide same that. and better than what's already existing. Yeah. And you don't get to decide that. It's like, you know, the public decide <laughs> what they're reacting to. But anyway, that was their intention, uh, which will explain much of this film. Uh, it was only when they were actually, uh, you know, by the time they were actually shooting it, that obviously the first one had come out and they could see what was going on with Pinhead. So by the time they got into that, they did some rewrites and changed a few things around, uh, which we will be getting to. By that point, the fans had changed the name of uh, Priest from the original um, or lead Cenobite from the original into Pinhead and had come up with this affectionate moniker for him. And Clive went into this really, one of his biggest um, requests with this was he had developed elaborate backstories for the Cenobites for the first film, and he wanted to be crystal clear in the sequel of a few things. So this was his instructions to Peter Atkins. I want you to make sure that we get across that they were once human, the Cenobites were always human at one point. I want you to get across that their vices led to them becoming demons, so the things they'd done wrong in their human life reflected into why they were what they are as Cenobites. Um wanted to create a little bit more of the origin story to do with pinhead which again we'll get to uh, later on uh, there's a lot of stuff but yeah we'll get to it when we get to it let's cool. start the podcast is that what we're doing 
Yeah, we're yeah. doing a podcast. Good. That's what I'm, I think. I think my intuition was correct. Let's start as we normally like to do, where we like to look at the landscape of the year. We're in 1988. We're only a year, year later. Year of the dragon. Year of the dragon. Yeah, it? yeah. Is it year, dragon? 1988 is year of the dragon. Nice. How, How do you, you just pull that out of your hat, weirdo? Well, also, I was born in year of the dragon. There you go. Oh, yeah. so this is your birth oh, so year? you're mildly yeah. older than this. All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm older than it. That's all that matters. Even though this is richer than me. <laughs> this is, you have not or earned $12 million domestic yet, Justin? <laughs> nope. One uh, Katie, can you please take us through the top 20 films uh, worldwide in 1988? Uh, so we're looking at number, we're going from number 20 to number one. Hmm. 20 is Biloxi Blues. <laughs> oh, what? what? Matthew, did Matthew Broderick start in the live action? I've never heard it. In the play. I don't know that one. Biloxi know. Blues is actually really good. Is it? Yeah. So this is play. nice for you. You're going to hear so what... It's made by... Uh, I forget his name. Shane, Shanley? I forget his first name. Tennessee... No, not Tennessee Williams. Something Shanley. Playwright. Don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, number 19 is Beaches. Uh, yeah, ladies. Which one's that? Beaches. That's like a very... It's a Barbara Streisand, very... Isn't Leonardo DiCaprio a little kid in that? A what? Leonardo DiCaprio a kid No, that's that. the beach. Yeah. No, 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 no. I thought he was also in Beaches. But I, I don't know. know. All two I know beaches? is Barbie Streisand. He was in two beach movies? He was in a lot yeah, of... Yeah, I probably completely wrong. Beach. There was a film like he that. He had a beach in good time. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Totally beaching. <laughs> 18 is Willow. Amazing movie. Willow. Willow. Oh, wow. <laughs> it crosses over into a Star Wars podcast because that's what George Lucas was doing. Uh, 17 is Scrooged. Oh, good a great film. Bill Murray. Mm. That's one of my favorite Christmas. 16, A Fish Christmas. Called Wanda. Really also, good. Yeah, it's a great comedy. Very nice. 15's Working Girl. Also really good. Cool. 14, Beetlejuice. I never got Beetlejuice, to be honest. What? Wait, I'm, yeah. I'm older than Beetlejuice? Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, these are all you're celebrating. These are, all your these are great ones. Birthday Aha, Beetlejuicy. <laughs> Number 13's The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. Yeah, oh, fantastic. The real success of the airplane. <laughs> uh, 12 is Cocktail. Oh, so- wow. Oh, that's one. This is uh, now one of my favorite films because Alex always tells the story of growing up. I think it was his sister had a poster on the wall from Cocktail and it just had underneath the slogan, when he, uh, oh, what the fuck, when it pours, he rains or something like that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Someone worked real hard on that, didn't they? When he pours, he rains. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 11 is Midnight Run. 10 is The Land Before Time. Ooh, oh, the nice. first one. Original. We'll nice. get to that one day. There's only so like 20 good. of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many of those movies. I don't movies. know about that. <laughs> uh, uh, nine is Masquerade. Masquerade. Wow. Eight, Die Hard. Yeah. Nice. Best Christmas movie. Seven, Big. Not my favorite Die Hard movie, weirdly. Big. Big's great. Big's oh, good. Cool. Big's good. I only saw Big when I was like 30. Man. Oh. Yeah. I watched it from I when guess, I was young. I guess you could say a lot of... Good things came out that year. <laughs> talk, you talk. were the balancing yeah. to that, just yeah. Six is Rainbow Ram Rainbow Rambo the Third. <laughs> Rainbow <laughs> the Third. <laughs> like a, I know that was gonna get jumped on immediately. <laughs> oh, so. like a very loving. I know. I was thinking Rainbow. I don't know why. Rainbow I don't know why six. that came out weird. I really like the first uh, First Blood, the original Rambo movie. Mm-hmm. I've never Other seen one. Never seen Rambo. First one's good. What? None You've never of, seen any of them? No. I didn't see those until I was like 30 Oh as well. my gosh. Yeah. 
Anything that had sports or competition in it, my dad blood was like, sport. let's watch this as a family. I've never oh, watched yeah. Bloodsport. And I've watched the uh, all the John Claw Van Dance where he's fighting in some competition. So they're all kind of meshed together. I'm like, what was the one where he's, no, that's Time Cop, but he fought in some kind of competition. First Blood's really good. He just like, yeah. it's not called Rambo, it's just First Blood. He just turns up to this little town and then everyone just starts ostracizing him because he's an outsider, basically. And then it turns into this confusion and this big chase and he's just like trying to survive. Yeah. It's really cool. Oh. He goes ra- on a Rambo page. Anyway. Uh, five is twins. Oh, nice body swap. Uh, four crocodile. No, I, every time I do it, I say twins is a body swap. It's not a body swap, is it? No, it's not. Big's the body swap. Big is a body swap. Okay. Well, it's kind of a time body swap. Yeah, okay, it's a body swap. He doesn't swap in anybody sure. else's body. There's not. Well, he's just himself as a kid in his body later on. Yeah, but you're body swapping into yourself. I mean, I guess yeah, into himself. Like- so you're not really swapping. You're just exchanging time. Yeah. Yeah. I count it. <laughs> uh, number four is Crocodile Dundee 2. I don't believe this new Dundee movie that's like, it, that's a fake, isn't it? The Super Bowl stuff? No, no, no. There's an actual Dundee movie that's coming out, but that was a commercial for the Australia tourism. But there still is a movie. Because I read like, because people saw that stuff and then I read that it's not, hap- it's like that was just made, yeah, as a fake movie i'm very confused battle this is not the platform to talk about it yeah <laughs> just to clear it up i'm confused. you guys just let me get through my list uh three is coming to america Murphy. oh nice number two is one of al white's favorite films every time we see this on the netflix he's like "Ooh, this movie which i've decided to ascertain is like now one of your favorites who framed roger rabbit oh it's great <laughs> It's fantastic. You love this. How do you not like Hugh Fraser? I love it. I just didn't know until recently that you were just... fucking love 2D animation on live action film. You love the Space Jam? Roger Rabbit. I mean, I love that aspect of it. I don't like Space Jam as a movie. Everybody get it. I don't like Cool World as a movie. That's so good. Roger Rabbit's fantastic. Number one, Rain Man. Oh, serious movies. Tom Cruise in a couple of films that year in the yeah. top 20. Impressive. He had a couple. So those are the regular movies. Justin, can you tell us some of the horror things that were going on so we understand 1988, the horror right. landscape? What is going on in 1988? Uh, first thing, Justin was born. Ah, so great. The Blob remake. Oh my gosh. It's this so is really good. good. It's really, really good. Um, it's not as good as a thing, but it's in that kind of, it's a really sort of last, you know, this last era of practical effects before digital took over. It's a cool film. It's fun. Uh, a little indie film called Child's Play. Yeah, you can head on over to our Child's Play podcast that we just finished talking about all of those movies. Yeah. Evil Dead Trap. This is the Japanese uh, nasty, nasty, pretty nasty movie. They made some horrible sort of almost snuff-like movies in that era. There's uh, another little indie film called Friday the 13th, Part 7. They're already Colin, Part 7. The New Blood. Do you remember this one? This is the psychokinesis one. Yeah. yeah. Where Jason's oh, got that awesome ribcage. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Fun awesome. stuff we like that yeah, one. Yeah, we did talk. that retrospective. <laughs> yep. The three oh, of us. OG. Listen to our opinions on that by trolling all the way back to the beginning of our We Are Geeks.com <laughs> podcast. We are Geeks.com. It's not that hard. You just scroll all the way to the top. Yeah. yeah. Pretty easy. If you don't know how to scroll. You can have trouble. Or just leave it running and you'll gradually yeah. get through all 200. Yeah, just, just start at the very beginning. beginning. And then go all the way. Uh, next one is Halloween 4, colon, the return of Michael Myers. We will be getting to Halloween later this or year. So you can listen to our podcast for that at the end of the year. Halloween 4, colon, the original <laughs> nightmare. 
Uh, we will not be doing howling movies, I don't think. <laughs> so. Killer clowns from outer space. Yay! This is cool. This is this is one of the first like horror things I saw as a kid, and I just saw a clip of it, and my friend showed me so of a crazy. clown punching someone's head literally off their body. Yeah. They're just copying Friday the Thirteenth, though. Yeah, yeah, no, but it kind of was. It was goofy. It was kind of taking the critted style of Friday the Thirteenth stuff and mashing it all together into this weird thing. It's on Netflix, I think, right now. Mania Cop. This is the first Mania Cop, huh? Yeah. This is Bruce Campbell. And actually, Katie, you got a friend who was involved with these movies, or at least the first and second one, I think. Yeah. A mutual horror friend. Mutual spooky friend. Yeah. Uh, what else? Forget how many friends I have. <laughs> Too many so friends. many Night friends. Night of the Demons. Demons. I think it's a cool film. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not amazing. They did a remake, which is terrible. Yeah, it's not as classic as it should be, but it's right. We were watching yeah. a bunch of those Night of the films, weren't we? We did. That was, uh, it was a comment. It was There's another movie about night. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, colon, The Wait. Dream Master. So we had Halloween 4, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Friday the 13th 7, Child's Play 1, and Hellraiser 2 in the same year? Yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah. That's a good time to be alive. What a spooky year. What a time to be alive. What a time to be born. I was just born. Uh, you can listen to our Nightmare on Elm Street review on this podcast as well. My me and Alex Torfrin. Phantasm 2. <laughs> yeah, these films aren't that great. They're weird. I tried watching them. It took me many, many, many years to get around to them, but they're not great. Poultry Guys 3. First Poultry Guys is great. First one's great. Yeah, yeah I struggled with the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Pumpkin head. <laughs> <You'd> <laughs> I was waiting for like five. That's oh, no, just the first one. Pumpkin head's pretty cool. It's got really cool practical effects on the creature. Um, Lance Henriksen is in the first one, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. Return of the Living Dead Part 2. This was, we keep forgetting, oh, I keep forgetting his name. George Romero and whoever else invented Night of the Living Dead and ostensibly invented the modern zombie uh, George Romero kept making his Living Dead films and uh, his friend went off on the more goofy side and made Return of the Living Dead films, which were like punk rockers with like, you know, sex scenes and zombies that actually said brains. And I think I, yeah, we talked about in different podcasts, they technically, it's traced back as they invented the thing of zombies saying brains. It's all because of Return of the Living Dead films. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, second one's not that great. <laughs> First one's worth watching, but second one. Sleep away. Camp two, colon, unhappy campers. Yeah, this is, uh, actually, is this one? Uh, I don't remember now. We watched all these last year. Yeah, we did. Sleepaway Camp two. I, I think remember. actually Sleepaway Camp two ended up being my favorite because it's, it's really stupid. Because <laughs> like, really they do stupid. no sleeping. Yeah, no sleeping a lot. <laughs> you sleep, you die. So we're definitely, we're in a very thick year of sequels Spooky and slashes films and, and the end of yeah the end of the practical era of effects uh, we're about to be getting into digital stuff from here on out including with the hellraiser series so let's get straight into it shall we let's do it uh we're opening with clips from the end of hellraiser one and epic music which and is the big fucking music yeah. so good it just makes me go like, ooh, what are we going to see now? It is really good. I keep <laughs> Oh, just around. a rehash of the last film I watched. Yeah. <laughs> Which only came out a year before. So I was like, it was not really that much that they needed to like refresh yeah. your memory. Also, because I'll just say my opinion in a little bit when it gets <laughs> okay. to the part. But okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't mind them opening like this, though, to be honest, because it's, you know, it is 
reminding you and it shakes you up straight away from the beginning if you haven't seen hellraiser film i do feel they catch you up fine with this and they do it in an interesting way because they split the flashbacks up into two sections so you get this opening bit where you get frank or larry you know frank as larry getting his face ripped apart at the end and we actually get to see it this time because it was cut before this time you get to see the head actually split open yeah that's pretty awesome yeah notice in these flashbacks to this one because in the original film she got rid of pinhead first you remember with the box oh yeah and in the flashbacks, they show her getting rid of Pinhead last because they've realized by this point in the editing that, oh, people like Pinhead the most. He's got to be a sort of anti-hero. Yeah. What? They didn't love that engineer slug scorpion guy? Yeah, well, don't, don't show much weird. of the engineer. It's, it's real a little flash. Why not? Can't imagine. Uh, so yeah, they're definitely rewriting him here as, oh, he was the lead baddie in that, um, which was, was not true. the big boss man. Then we get the title and then we cut to um, a U.S. officer. Uh, which uh, sorry not a, a UK an officer, officer sorry yeah and this is like a mirror from the first film where we're getting uh, like Frank was opening the box in the original one here we're getting this yeah officer guy he's dressed in attire from the uh, first world war and it's India was well, well, this Indian uh, what do you call it when you're sent somewhere as an recon no it's like a whatever he's no he's he's posted uh yeah it's a uk officer posted in india uh, and he's opening the box he looks kind of dweeby and we get this interesting shot here of the cube when it's opening the- it's almost like jack in the box yeah you sort got like, of quality in it and stuff yeah which is strange <laughs> they really like the bald dudes in this show yeah yeah everyone's I've noticed kind that. of balding I'm, t- I'm telling you pinhead makes bald look cool yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna go bald just sh- shave it all off and put pens in your head because he looks fucking badass owns it and then we watch this character as he's getting te- I think it's actually the same shots of chains tearing apart flesh with latex because yeah. it looks the same yeah. for a second and then we get him being ripped apart and then it starts sanctioning up his head into like a crisscross pattern and then chucking in the nails and we realize oh this is actually the origin story of Pinhead there's definitely a little smile as this happening he's enjoying himself a he's little getting bit. the pleasure gets that grimy teeth straight away yeah. did you guys could you tell this was going to be Pinhead like for me no. obviously I know the actor so well that I know this is Pinhead but no I just thought it was going to be another victim you know yeah exactly yeah. another story like we were going to branch yeah. off into like, another when the hole opened I was like oh something else is going to happen now and he's got one of those little hole boxes <laughs> Was that a nice surprise or a bad surprise that this? It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. I like a little bit of an origin story and they didn't go too much into it, which I liked. Yeah. It's kind of like the beginning of, you know, uh, like Friday the 13th where you're going to start rooting for the the dude. Yeah. So you feel that's part of their intention here is to humanize him straight away. Yeah. So you're going to feel a bit more for him. Yeah. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because like for me, explanation of a villain means, yeah, I'm less scared of them. That's how I always feel with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first time. Now I know, like, I watched Hellraiser 1 and I know all this stuff about Pinhead and where we're going to go with him. But I remember being really fucking disappointed the first time I saw this film. And to clarify, if people don't know me, all of these classic films, I watched them all on VHS in one night, but pretty much, like, or two nights. When I was about 17, I started living on my own. I just go down the road and bought them all. And yeah, I started watching these. I think I only got through the first three in the first night. But I remember even after the first one, I was like, man, I love that pinhead. And then getting to this opening, I, I was love like, that love that pinhead. I really did. I love that priest. <laughs> and I w- then it's like, my, my problem is I wanted him to be really, really old and ancient. Like That's a demon a, who had yeah, been around I was say the same thing. forever. And instead, I'm like, oh, they're placing him. And I wasn't that smart at the time. I was like, Second World War, First World War. But in that era, beginning of like 1900 or whenever. 
Um, that's a long time. It's a really long time it's ago. It's pre-Justin being born. Yeah, so that's older history. than me. It's old. No, it's I mean, you could have like great-great-grandfathers that are the same age as Pinhead. Yeah. You don't want that. Oh, like, easy. you don't... But I wanted I, it I to be like grandfather could well, but, yeah. until he but you got to think about it. How does their time work with our time? So he could have been there for which what been feels a day like here. an eternity. Yeah. So he could have really been there a long time and he goes through dimensions. So well, yeah. Yeah. Like but you're if, looking at it from our perspective. But yeah. I just say for me, it's for me, for me, what if he did it was like born yesterday and then he's like, but it feels like an eternity to me. It's like, that's still not scary to me. But I mean, like. You know, he's gone through things. He's witnessed things. He's seen things. Well, it, it, it definitely it didn't really affect my outlook on him. I just went, huh, whatever. Yeah, no, no, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> like for me, it really does. For me, I'm just like, I don't want to. I don't want them humanized. To be honest, like I understand Clive Barker's idea with that and where yeah. it comes from, but then it also does muddy stuff because it's like, well, then yeah, how are they picking which ones they turn into centibytes, and how are they picking which ones they torture, like yeah. Frank? Like, what's the difference between him opening box and Frank opening box in yeah. the first one? The mystery behind him kind of goes away like it just instantly goes this is it mm-hmm. instead of like "Ooh, what has he seen what is it right what, is, what has he done well in the first one as well he had like this kind of sadness about him that i really loved and you felt like you've been stuck in that there job was for a lot a of mystery yeah. yeah and you felt like he was starting to kind of maybe have more empathy for people but still be very cold and hard and judgy and judgy. it's you didn't really get why he was like that from this and like from where he came from, from where his origin happened. And so it kind of just turned him into this typical baddie instead of what Clive Barker, I think was trying to accomplish and that he was trying to bring reasoning to someone who is bad, as opposed to just being like, they're evil because they're evil. Like, and instead he's trying to say like, there's a reason why they've come to this point, but you don't really get that from this scene. No, I don't, I don't understand think. why he's doing it. He seems like a polite Englishman. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. He's certainly, he's not like Frank. We get a great line later that we'll get to where they talk about desire rather than hands, but I don't know what his desire is. I have no idea. They did want more here to be clear. Like in the original script, they were really painting a lot more of his back history. It had to be cut because of budgetary reasons uh, because they had, a lot of their budget cut by what was it like any yeah up to like forty percent it could have been fifteen right. to forty percent people say different things so they had to change a lot of it just before they started filming. It was cool though, like the the like long hull tunnel that you're in with him, and then all of a sudden all the panels like go dark around him. Yeah. I, th- I mean it was it was cool effects, and I, I liked some- the the transition sequence with like all the pins being shoved in and things like that. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, see, I really don't. This is the start for me of the ugliness, which is like seeing that little smile from him and then seeing like the pins. And I think it's I, I think it's quite coherent with what Clive Barker's vision is. I really do. Uh, it's just not necessarily a vision that I'm as interested in. I like that sort of clean cleanness of Pinhead and that kind of like, I don't know, there's something about this. I don't kind of want to see him in that position of sort of in just enjoying the grime of violence and to himself and the sadomasochism of it all and all that stuff. But I get that that is the thing, you know, mm. that they're trying to push across it. There's no clean way to put pins in someone's yeah. head. No, but I didn't need to see it at all. That's what I mean. Like, I don't want to see well, the, you know the what? opening. You could have closed your eyes there. <laughs> <laughs> like a scared little boy. <laughs> Uh, so then we cut to Ashley Lawrence, who's re- re- returned as Kirsty Cotton. She's lying in a mental institute bed. 
So it's meant to be, according to the script, it's meant to be two hours since the last film. <laughs> and then we're starting immediately. The detective who's waiting for her to wake up to interview her, I guess. I don't know if the, he thinks that she did the killings or not. I don't know. Well, he, he's just trying to figure out what's going on because she's the only one left alive. But let's follow it through, though. So they and they got the box out to some weird bonfires in, yeah. we think, New York, London, yeah. the weird hybrid that it is meant to be. And then some bone pterodactyl dragon flew off oh, of the box. The box. Yeah. And they left this house full of bodies. So what are we meant to imagine? Did they go to the police after that? Is that what we meant to think happened? I think they were found i guess because she and was a steve is that her boyfriend they just kind of want like you don't see them so you're assumed they either like pass out somewhere or yeah they well, it just leaves with them standing there though they could have gone straight to the police because what i'm trying to understand is how are we just a few hours afterwards she's however already been put into a mental institute and has been asleep for a while while the detectives waiting for wake up and yet in this scene the detectives getting radio calls from his police officers who haven't even opened the door to the attic yet and yeah. start finding yeah. more bodies and like oh we found another one <laughs> it's like did you just not look well before or it's this seems like it's taken place like an, within the hour of them finding yeah, the house it doesn't right. really make any sense and they said that her boyfriend had already left like they yeah, already released like, yeah, and him he says, i've sent your boyfriend home hours ago yeah because he's already woken up hours ago and i sent him home it's like how long is it taking you to look around a house yeah and why did she get moved to a mental institute immediately yeah unless they do think that she potentially did all the killing which yeah. i think you would think right but then also she's not even at a hospital for treated like no. wounds or anything she's just like not there in the mental institution exactly and he's not like you're under arrest or anything this is yeah. like she literally to- could probably leave. she's like am i under arrest am i yeah are you arrest me you never ask for her rights yeah she doesn't have great dialogue in general just kirsty no <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of weird stuff but yeah she's so she's she's here the detective uh is talking to her interviewing about stuff back at the house at the cop now definitely in a u.s uniform he's got like the yeah. u.s cap on and stuff yeah he also, finds another body and starts also, shooting up how does he not smell like he's just like mm, i wonder where these things are i'm like guys come on there's maggots going out of the bodies and you shot one that's like clearly i don't even know how fast that decomposed because it was like dust yeah well, i'm going with i'm going with because they do like you know these creatures suck the kind of blood and the soul or whatever out yeah, of them. yeah like your life force a yeah thing but the, the maggots would only be able to eat the like like wet rotting flesh that's true the maggots are a bit of contradiction maybe with yeah. the how they I'm killed like, the one that fell out of the closet was like purely like a mummy yeah Oh, yeah, completely. It looks like dust. They're efficient maggots. Uh, meanwhile, though, Kirsty is sticking to the truth, and the cop, of course, <laughs> isn't believing her, when someone radios in to say about the mattress that Julia was on. So this is confusing as well, because this was a confusing scene in the first one where it felt like something had been cut. Yeah. Because you suddenly just see, as she's running through the house in that finale, Julia's dead body, skinned face, After holding the box. Frank has stabbed her. Yeah, on a bed. And you're like, well, who put her there? How With like did a she flayed get there? face. Yeah. But was, yeah, no, no, no. She was getting a facelift. She was, she wasn't dead. She was literally she was jealous. They were lifting casting. it in the wrong direction yeah. from a typical facelift. They were literally lifting her face. It's a bad facelift. Well, you know, can't judge the. Well, Doctor Chenard, who we're about to meet, he was into Dr. it. Doctor Chenard <laughs> seems to like the facelifts look. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then we're interested in intro- interested introduced to Doctor Chenard, uh, who is named after the first uh, surgeon to do heart surgery. Originally, um, the writer wanted it what was the name he wanted malahide 
which is from Latin and it's to do with, what's it, I think it's Formaldehyde. like, I think it's a lack of skin or something like that. I'm trying to remember now. But the director wanted to call him Chenard after Christian um, Bernard, uh, the first surgeon to form a heart transplant. Uh, the writers said it's taken him a long, long time to be happy with the change of name with that, which is, yeah. Don't know if that would really haunt it's you. It's understandable because even at the very beginning, I wrote down the Gerard Institute because it's not a word that you see frequently right. or ever. So it took me a while for them to, and repeatedly for them to keep saying Chenard, Chenard. And I was like, oh. It is a weird word, but so is malahide, to be honest. I'd argue you need a I get malahide, though, because it at least has an ominous tone to it, like mal, bad, well, that's, whatever. That's exactly why the mal, director, bad, Tony Randall, didn't want it because for him it was too. Too on the nose. And, yeah, too on the nose. Dr. Bocardo. Dr. Ricardo. Bocardo. <laughs> it's like Ricardo, but we wanted it different, so we added a B. Dr. Bocardo. So Bocard. So tonight, Star Trek? We're, uh, we're introduced to giving a lobotomy while preaching about the labyrinth of the mind to the other surgeons yeah. in the room um, and how they have to explore it. And then he's using, like, he's giving it like a sermon. And then he's got this. Yeah, he's a one. philosophical doctor, which is a weird, you know, like, contradiction. Like, the fucking the patient's alive with her eyes open, awake. Don't know if she's anesthetized. Anesthetized, thank you. I thought it was Julia at first. So I was like, oh, he's putting Julia back together. <laughs> we'll get to if she is anybody or not, because there's some very confusing stuff with this lady that does confuse me. And he's got one of those little spinning blade things, which looks, you know, really. I hope this isn't how they do lobotomies because that doesn't look very uh, exact. I thought lobotomies were through the front of yeah, the skull. It's like a, it's I a, just thought he was doing like open brain surgery on yeah, her. It looked like he was doing But he's some, not. He's in a mental institute. He's not. I understand. A yeah. doctor like that. Well, he's a surgeon, apparently. A surgeon and a psychiatrist. Well, when you do a lobotomy, you do it through the front. It's like yeah. you go here and you're to separate. You have to go through the frontal yeah. lobe. Yeah. Which is such a gnarly thing. Who thought that was like a smart thing to do? But what's a lobotomy fucking... or this scene? The lobotomy. <laughs> that was actually. What's worse with this fucking scene is he's doing it and then he takes like the spinning little blade and then he just sort of seems to jab in her brain once. Yeah, that's and not an efficient stops. tool. He's and like, then he stops and then he, as if he's done and hands it to someone and goes, you clean up. And just walks out. Yeah. And it's like, what? Is that it? Is that he, your he, surgery? He, just yeah. jab it? Like, ah, uh, brain surgery. I've done it many a time. This is it. <laughs> I, I will surgery Is that it. how they do brain surgery in England? Yes. Can confirm. <laughs> yeah, that's not how that's we do that That's what the here. NHS gives you. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's, it's sort of it's, free. It's sort of free. <laughs> Can't complain. <laughs> My brain hurts. Oh, I got to think for it. It's called the brain massager. It's fucking terrible. And then he stops and leaves with his assistant, Kyle, who seems to be like his protege, I guess. And I don't mind after that. As soon as they leave that room and they're talking and he's saying to him, look, so the next person we're going to go and see who's, you know, Kirsty, uh, this is, she's a complicated person. Like we need to, you know, you need to like coax, you need to understand them and talk to them and listen to them and earn their trust. And he's saying all this stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. He seems sensible in this scene. Just that other scene, I would just cut it. It's like, it's like, yeah. why does it even need to be yeah, here? They could have, they could have cut that out. Also, I wrote down in my notes, still British. So this yeah. is where I noticed it's still shot in England. He is very British. Because everyone in that room was pretty British. Well, he is, yeah, and the doctor's incredibly British. Mm, yes, 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 I concur. They def, they're definitely 
That's your British accent. <laughs> no, no, I was like, uh, that was my Leonardo DiCaprio um, concur line. You know, I was like, concur, I concur. They're definitely they're trying very hard to make sure that this one feels more American. Like, uh, yeah, the US cop uniform, um, just the locations that they're picking. And then there are a lot more US actors in here for sure. But yeah, the, the doctor is very British. Yeah, so then they head on over. Uh, the detectives uh, about to leave. And Kirsty's asking him to destroy the mattress that they've found oh, in well, the house. Well, she mentions like the Cenobites. Yes. But it's, how does she know? She never got their yes. name. Yes. How does I was she like, know they're called the Cenobites? Yeah, I was like, wow, she woke up with knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They don't even do what they do nowadays, like yeah. have a look in an old book or go online and Google like demons yeah. who visit. Oh, so I wrote down, <laughs> because it made me wonder, I'm like, because the cop's leaving. I'm like, do people that are know that they sound? crazy that they're crazy when they're talking about things like no one's gonna know about like this in her mind isn't she like assess her and go i probably sound like a crazy person if i'm maybe a it's dial it too. back a bit yeah dial it down <laughs> chill out because you have sound you like- in this entire series thus far seen kirstie assess a room yeah <laughs> she <laughs> no, no, has, she's not very observant how are you still alive man <laughs> that is the question a boyfriend to sacrifice yeah, yeah. basically now he's run away so she literally like shit. targets the next available man cool. she can find i want to spin a film just about what he did afterwards he's just like in rehab or he's not just living his life i'm still alive well, how did they yeah. let him go like if he wakes up and he's just like oh no it's um she's crazy you should talk to her yeah, and no, just like what, runs away that's what he probably did he's like oh what i'm in a mental did you yeah um she well, killed everybody she killed everyone and i, Can just, I go now it wasn't me <laughs> wasn't me uh there's some crazy stuff i don't know i was kind of high <laughs> Uh, I think she gave me just, something. I think she did something to me. There was no an engineer, but he wasn't doing engineering. Ask her. Ask her. It's her house. I have, are you going to arrest me? He was probably smart. He's like, did you read me my rights? No. All right. I have some library I'm, books I have to read her. Yeah, <laughs> it makes go. not. None of this opening makes any he sense. He probably got away because he knew his rights. And he also asked for a lawyer. And he's like, are you going to arrest me? Well, or he probably blinded detained? them with that shirt he was wearing. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, check out this cool cigarette trick. And they're like, you're too cool to be, to be a murderer. <laughs> that's how it went down there are, what's really annoying though is there's a million ways to write getting to where they want to get to which is this mental institute with this doctor yeah there's so many ways to have done that and they yeah, haven't yeah. done any of it um but anyway so then the detective leaves chanard heads off to make a phone call sorry he heads off to talk to the uh, police officer we don't know what about at the time but he's trying to have the mattress delivered to his own house and we don't know why kyle is left with Kirsty. he's coming on to her pretty quickly Oh, totally. And also, he looks like her ex-boyfriend. He does a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, they're just, they couldn't get the other actor or didn't want the other actor. So, like, we'll just get the dude that looks exactly <laughs> like him. <laughs> Do you yeah. recognize this guy? This is William Hope. Nope. He plays, uh, he's most famous for, actually, just before this film, Aliens. He was the guy who gets Ripley to go back. He's, like, the guy from the company who's then there the whole time pushing them and then has insidious, you know, He's there for the whole film. He's like the villain of aliens. Um, getting them to like spoilers for aliens, you know, try and take eggs back and stuff like that. He's fucking awesome in that film. And this was definitely at the height of his fame. And I saw like in the documentary where he's talking and he's, they're all quite candid about stuff. And he was basically just like, yeah, like he, he was doing theater work, I think at the time. Um, and he had a lot and he would go from shooting this to go to the evenings to do his theater stuff. Um, and so he didn't have any time to prep it really or think about stuff. But his logic was, well, it's a horror film. So 
I'll just do so it. I'll just stand deadpan around <laughs> yeah, a room exactly. and deliver my lines in a monotone fashion. And I love this fucking idea. This was something that really annoys me as a horror fan. And it always used to annoy me as a comic book fan. Luckily, people take them a bit more seriously nowadays. Um, where people used to be, I was like, what's his name? I'm thinking about Bullseye from the Daredevil movie. Uh, Colin Farrell. He said, I don't need to put any effort into this because it's a comic book film those are his literal words in the making of it's like what's fun about comic book, doing comic book films you can go as outlandishly extreme as you want to because it's a comic book film i was like that's the fucking opposite you got to ground it <laughs> yeah because you're dealing with ridiculous things so you clearly just are an idiot <laughs> oh and he's terrible as bullseye in the yeah. dead film. but yeah it, was, it used to be the same always with horror Do- films as well and that's exactly what carl like is here he's like well it's a horror film so who cares like i can go as whatever he just I looks want like he's half asleep through this entire yeah. film it literally just makes you look like you're not a good actor if you just don't do the work ah, i'm just gonna wing it when did that ever work out for any actor <laughs> nobody like does anthony hopkins goes ah it's a horror film i'm just gonna wing it no that man reads the script like a million times he's like ah, i know everything about it yep meanwhile we're introduced to tiffany in the next room of the mental institute played by imogen borman this is someone who I feel like I know her, but I don't. Yeah. I also wrote down, new girl, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> when I look her up on IMDb, though, she's done loads of, she's an English actor as well. She's done loads of English TV shows, which I do not watch, but have heard of and know of. What? Like what? Uh, like casualty and just like staples of English, you know, sort of. She looks very familiar, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She's done nothing that is really international. Or she just looks like somebody nowadays, maybe that's yeah. why we're like, oh. like a person. She looks like, she has the face shape of what your art teacher tells you to draw when you're first learning to do like face shapes. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that perfectly like square or like triangle just, draw. That's right. like, it was so weird. Yeah. I kept just like focusing on her I face. Just, yeah, it was kind of mind blowing. I was like, wow, you look drawn. Yeah, she did. But this is really where we get the first interesting bit I find at the film because, yeah, she's this young girl in the next room and all she's doing is solving this wooden puzzle box. And then Carl comes over to Kirsty and says she's been here for six months. No, no, no. He doesn't just come over. She's watching. And then all of a sudden she goes, ah. He goes, oh, geez, I'm sorry. And then he <laughs> looks at her like creepily and then he explains it. Yeah. Like a weirdo. Like, <laughs> He's so Why don't you go, hey. He didn't even go, hey. He literally just went behind her and just put his hand up. Yeah. And then she's like, <laughs> He's like, oh, geez, did that start? No shit, it did, dude. I know I know some people, yeah, who think that they're definitely meant to be like a new love interest thing. I don't get that from her side. No. I feel like she is not interested yeah, in him not at into any it. point. She in is totally film. into her. Yeah. Like, she just has that effect, like the girl at the party who's like, oh, are you still here? Like, she just doesn't yeah. even remember him. Yeah. She's it's in like wrong, amnesia. She's like dealing with the story. She's yeah. got trauma. She's like, I got shit going on, she's like, bro. I just watched my dad get filleted. Well, not <laughs> watch me get Maybe filleted, not but touch I'm, me after my uncle like tried to rape me. Yeah. Maybe leave me I alone. I almost got murdered by these Cinnabons. <laughs> <laughs> these delicious Cinnabons. Uh, so, yeah, Tiffany's been there for six months. She's got no family, no visitors. The nurse named her Tiffany because she doesn't speak. And all she does is solve puzzles. So, we're going to get back to her later because I got a lot of questions to do with Tiffany. Kirsty then has a dream or a vision? Vision. Not really sure. Because she wakes up. Yeah. So, it's not really a dream. Yeah, but she wakes up and then she sees the weird stuff. Right. It's like a, vi- a vision. So, would it be a dream? No, I guess. Okay. But the eyes know. open dream. <laughs> but her radiator starts giving off steam. Um, really and steamy. Tiffany, we're intercut with Tiffany solving the wooden box in the next door. And then we see a skin figure. Now, I want to put it out to you guys. 
we learn after this because she says daddy basically uh we see a skin figure who's lying sort of helpless on the floor written i am in hell help me um and she affirms that she thinks it's her father and then tastes the blood which is an interesting which was like a very julia thing to do it really threw me off i just they're really meshing their characters together because that was not something i mean besides her kissing her dad on the mouth which was weird you never really get like this eroticism from her that we get from Julia. Yeah. Cause Julia, that's her thing is that it's always like fingers in her mouth and Put she's always like putting things mouth. on her lips. Yeah. I don't see it as an and, erotic thing though. The way but Kirstie it's like, what it. is it then? Uh, it tastes like my dad. Yeah. It's like, that's, oh, that's for sure my dad's blood. It also just made me think gooey Frank. It might be yeah. the well, this is what I'm saying. This is what I want to know it. Do you for any split second when you're first seeing this skin figure think that it's a father? No. No. Because I'm like, her dad was dead. He was like straight up murdered. Plus, A, it looks like Frank. Yeah. And B, that's how we saw Frank for basically an entire last movie. So, in my head, as soon as I see a skinless... I know there have been other skinless persons. I know her father was skinned at the end of the movie. But as soon as I see a skinless figure, I think of Frank. Yeah, especially since it's not that long. time. Like, time hasn't really passed. Yeah. So, she should immediately be like, ah! But maybe she's like, daddy, as in Frank. Maybe she knew. She's like, daddy. Yeah, it's a weird assumption for her to make, but I get she's projecting and she's sad about her father, so maybe, you know, whatever. And she's getting something from it that we're not. What is weird to me is that she looks at it, you got the skin body and then the writing, and then she looks at it again and the body's gone, but the writing's still there on the wall. But then they don't deal with the reality of that, of her trying to scrub it off the wall or anything. Right. Or anyone coming in and going, did you write this on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Then we get, for me, even weirder, Dr. Chenard, who's taking the elevator down below the basement to a place called maintenance yeah <laughs> and in maintenance <clears throat> we're in a different universe <laughs> yeah we're in a hell hole of i guess true crazy people yeah and we've got like people just like I screaming can, I, I can help you with the description i wrote this down Go for it. in these <laughs> we have uh well on his way as he's walking he passes a dude and he's like or he's like, hello. Or the doctor says, like, hello to people before he even goes in the basement. And then some dude goes, 105 years, and he still doesn't know my name. Yeah, that's where he like, even gets that. Yeah, and I was like, what the heck? And then he goes downstairs. And then the first person is a tattooed priest, like, crazy guy. I'm like, well, he just seems like a priest. <laughs> and the next dude is a screaming guy. He, like, immediately opens it, and it's a screaming guy right at the window going, ah, Yeah, and he's just waiting. Ah, He's not before. He's waiting for someone. He's like, someone's going to open this soon, and yeah. I'm just going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last dude, or then there's the dude who's uh, last dude who's just sad. He just looks really yeah. sad. He just and he's look like, like happy can boy. you please let me out? I'm like, wow, there's nothing wrong with this guy. It just this doesn't seem ethical at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucking bizarre. I want. Does anybody? So here's staff here. It's a huge facility. It's just in the basement of this mental institute. Now. I presume people know it's there because <laughs> is this meant to be his secret hole where he just like keeps people or is this meant to be just you know this is the really sanctioned super super crazy part of the wing if so why label it maintenance on the lift yeah, yeah. why wouldn't it just be called you know whatever like, like high security or something yeah, like yeah or intensive care sol people because <laughs> those people are not getting out of there <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I took it as those were like the extreme uh, patients who yeah. were or just put not. extreme cases. Yeah, and that's what I would put. Extreme floor. But I, was, I took I it as so like other people knew about also, it. 
it's called maintenance. They are doing a shitty job in the maintenance. They're like, not they're doing it. Areas they're not, not maintained. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, put, at least be funny with it and call it high maintenance. <laughs> That's right. what these people are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because the the pipes are leaking. I'm just thinking, damn, that's a freaking expensive water bill you got there. Yep. Yeah. You're not efficient about this. You're losing taxpayer yeah. money. Even if I was just like half crazy and you put me down there, I would definitely end up like full tilt crazy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if the dude is just like, can I, can you can please, you please just take this straight jacket off can me? Can you let me out, please? That's what he said. He said, can you please let me out? He was polite. I'm like, dude, unethical. <laughs> I'm really like, this is not a month for me. I don't like ugly stuff in horror films. This is more, it's just like, just ugly, 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 stupid stuff. The guy screaming at the window is just like, oh, come on. Meanwhile, Carl is struggling with Kirsty because he really, really wants to get in the pants, but she talks a whole lot of crazy. So he's, but he's, you know, God bless him. He's still going to try and overlook it at all in a completely inappropriate gesture. She's tell, telling him all about a vision of her father. Oh, oh, well, she also before that tells about like, yeah, like I guess that, but also there's Frank. She talks about like the, yeah. the family and Julie. But there's a moment where... Uh, Frank, it's at the wedding, and Frank's just like doing his pose. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, about to get oh, to that. Frank. Yeah, well, he, he waits because she's talking to him first, and then he goes to get Dr. Chenard. And oh, because he's like, Oh, Dr. Chenard will know what to do, don't worry. And yeah, overhears him talking on the phone with the delivery man about oh, the match. I wrote down something still in that explanation. There's a moment where she's uh, talking about Julia and Frank, and she's like, I think they met at, or I think they were. Oh, crap. I can't read my handwriting. But basically, she's explaining what... Um, How do you read your handwriting? <laughs> that is they, tiny. She was talking about something like how Frank and Julia... She's like, they must have... They must have... And then Julia goes, ah! What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been with each other. She finishes the sentence and goes, been with it. They must have... They must have... And then she... And then Julia cuts to Frank and uh, Julia doing yeah, it. And yeah, she yeah. moans. She goes, ah! And then... Uh, what the daughter continues and goes, been with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. They must have had sex. They do the uh, and then she <laughs> finishes. She yeah. can't even say like, they fucked. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, that's in the next bit because, like, Carl goes to Chenard to, like, get him to come through and he's talking to the livery man about a mattress on his house. We get this, like, really okay. expositional bit of him being, like... He's like, let me repeat myself. Don't. Do not bring it to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Bring it to my house. <laughs> yep. And then Carl walks in and it's like, oh, hey, oh hey, yeah, you're like, if I come storming in, he won't know that was yeah, just Yeah, exactly. That was, yeah. Pretty, that was pretty smart movement. Yeah. That's where he film. did his work. He was like, okay, I got to do the work here. All right. I feel like he probably, since it's not shot in sequence ever, I feel like some days he was like, this is probably like day one of him shooting. So he was probably like, I'm going to put a lot of work into this. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, okay. I'll just, you can see it. Peter like, hey, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, then we get what you're talking about, which is like a series of flashbacks okay. about Frank and Julia. So I do find this kind of interesting because the catch us up on the first film. They don't do it in this big, stupid lump at the beginning like most horror sequels were. They do that little bit at the beginning and then we get into the story. And then she tells another bit of the story from the last one. So if you haven't seen the first one or you really have forgotten all of it, you're going to get it fed. And we yeah, get these new shots. You get a shot, a bunch of shots at their wedding um, yeah. of of uh, julia and larry uh, yeah and frank's just there in his tux like, in the background just looking yeah. at them it's the weirdest fucking look sorry i jumped the gun i like totally no, no. really got excited about <laughs> but also i wrote down this explanation would have been better just in the beginning instead of like doing the recap they could have just 
than here. I kind of like it. I kind of oh, like it. Yeah. It's like they kind of dotted it in where it needed to be. I mean, like, you could have recapped, but then you could have led it into, like, this is her telling it, like, because she's admitted to this thing to cover, like, that weird time span. What I would have done, what I would have done is, because they do the opening with, you know, being ripped apart and blah, 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 to shock us, and then they go to her waking up. And I would have had notes immediately, just always her telling these stories. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a yeah. yeah. So straight away at the beginning, yeah, she's just yeah. like awake and telling the story to the detective. Then, and then she's like, "Why is she asleep? Yeah, right. <laughs> where's Steve? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just she, doesn't, she doesn't even ask where Steve is. The guy tells her. He's like, "Oh, your boyfriend." Blah, blah. She's like, "Oh, okay." Is that my boyfriend? Is that my boyfriend? <laughs> See, she explicitly though here explains to Chenard how the box works, how Frank was brought back to life, the blood where he died, and all that stuff, which he knows a lot about considering she very much has got the outskirts of the story in the first film i feel but whatever yeah she knew about everything so then we go to his house now we don't really know how far away his house is from the mental institute that's never really it's within walking distance you think well yeah, yeah it seems like it yeah. i think he lives on the grounds right yeah just possible. in the like forest yeah spot. maybe that's why he had to be so specific well actually it kind of must be mustn't it because later on he's going to bring up um the sad crazy boy from the basement. Right. Yeah. And he just walks items. people uh, Another over. day. The one that's like, get it off me. Yeah. Get it yeah, off yeah, yeah. me. So, Kyle, Kyle is at, uh, sorry, Kyle's gone to his house and breaks in in the best way possible. With the tiniest screwdriver. ever screwdriver. And he just With the it. largest lock yeah. ever. I was so confused as to what I saw because I looked down to right and I looked up and I just saw a tiny little screwdriver and I looked down to right, check what I wrote. And, and then he was inside. I was like, what the fuck? He literally, he literally just, just, just pokes it and it opens. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and I'd then he does pissed. the best exclamations, like the best dialogue is what he's in. And he's walking around Chenard's office and basically he sees that Chenard's really into the boxes. He's got three, three lament configurations of we have on our table in little domes. He has <laughs> pictures up on the walls of lament configurations and other things to do like designs. And then he's got like a scrapbook, which has different pictures in, including a picture of the officer that we saw at the beginning of the film, uh, who we now know as Pinhead. Papa P. Which is weird. It's like, how did he get that? Unless I guess there's an account of this officer who opened the it's box. His and great, He's done his research. Yeah. It's like his life's work. He's a doctor, dude. I know, but I just want to know what evidence there would be. Maybe it's he got a hold of a patient a long time ago who oh, knew about this and then been he obsessed about it. He was like, wait, what? He's like, and then came across another person. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. It's just weird. Yeah. Fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's his little, so his little dialogue when he's in there in order. It's weird, fucking weird, Jesus Christ, and then Jesus Christ <laughs> as he looks uh, around the room. Oh uh, did I mention this is uh, Peter Atkins' first screenplay? <laughs> Again, it seems like a lovely guy, but... Ooh. So yeah, he's got three element configurations, which is really useful because, yeah, the pterodactyl thing took away the only one that was around before right. at the end of the first film um, this guy's rocking three of them yeah he's he's got surplus easily <laughs> too many if he if only ebay was around at that point yeah. he'd make some good money <laughs> looking for pleasure so yeah then we see chenard coming in with one of his crazy patients uh who basically sees sort of maggots and stuff crawling it's all over a, his he, body and he wants his to get line is get him off me okay, get him can, off me <laughs> uh so this guy is actually the actor who plays Skinless Frank. Uh, they gave him... Oh, well, they call it three roles in this because they say the Skinless vision that Kirsty sees is a different role. 
I definitely just see that as Frank. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he plays Gunless Frank later in the film, reprising that role, but they wanted to give him a proper role as well where you get to see his face. So this is him. He nailed it. He does. Good job. He looks really gross. I believe he had stuff on him. <laughs> yeah. It was just really sad. It yeah, just made me really sad, sad for people taking advantage of people with like mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. So Chenard gets I was in like, basically. Why don't you him? Chenard's kind of nice to him what? and he gets him to lie down yeah. on Julius. He's so dirty and infected. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? What a bad facility. There's <laughs> not maintenance at all. No maintenance. <laughs> uh, he gets him to lie down on Julia's bloody death mattress and then gives him a razor blade to allow him to rip himself to shreds, essentially. Um, and then we get Julia rising out of the mattress. So fast. For real, really quick. Looking basically as formed as... Uh, Frank, Frank was at the very end. Which, to be fair, though, yeah, she gets like a full body straight away, but she comes out before she even gets that full body. Yeah. Yeah. He's not even, he's like, she's just getting it from like the offshoots of his blood that have dripped down into the mattress. Yeah. So, which is what Frank had to become a skeleton. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a little. Yeah, she should have come out like a skeleton, at least have killed this like, chick because she crawls yeah. across the floor. It's actually a very long, protracted scene. Him cutting himself is long and protracted as well and pretty yeah. horrible. And then she gets him. It would have been cool, I think, yeah, if she was just a skeleton. And then once she's got him across the room, then she kind of comes to where she is at. Yeah. yeah they had a uh, naked blood wrestling. They did have. Yeah. yeah it was, it was like, like a jello match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she had is, really nice teeth and eyes. <laughs> I was like, wow, your teeth are really clean. This was a uh, Deborah Joel, a South African actress. Is she she did not look like Julia, though. Skinless Julia. I was, yeah. like, confused at the very beginning. I was yeah. like, is this meant to be her or... Same. And then, obviously, it progressively tells you what it is. Also, she had very nice, clean, straight teeth. Yeah, oh, very, very. I was like, your teeth are... You're like a... You're not from the UK. Yeah, I mean, it is a problem when they get these skinless versions... With the original one, you don't see Frank that much. So, like, the, like skinned Frank, I mean, as in with skin. So, you kind of get used to just skinless Frank, and that's who Frank is to you, I think. But with this, we know Julia so well. Having a different actress, yeah, player, because they need someone skinnier for, for the skinless versions. Yeah, it definitely is like, oh, okay, this is meant to be Julia. Mm-hmm. I thought the, like, the... The suit that she's in was really cool. Like it had some really fun yeah, detailing. It was really, oh, it like awesome. the spine yeah. was really cool. Yeah, but it Looks was difficult to kind of see it as a skinned person after a while because you're just like it was so obviously just like a suit yeah. that she was in that no, they just like threw some goo on. Um, yeah, but it was a really know. cool suit. But I was also I I just I wished I. Like you were saying, I I wanted to see more skeletal structure. Like I wanted to see a bit better progression to that fully formed. Well, yeah, we don't really because yeah, again, like I mean, we basically get a repeat now of the first film, but done at high high velocity speed. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would have enjoyed to see a little bit more of a few yeah. stages to this. Which I mean, I get because they have they have a, a lot, literally a long way to go. Yeah. To the end of this film, they so they're like, we it. need to get through this. And so do we. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Kyle sees all of this happen uh, while hiding behind a curtain and then somehow slips out, which I don't know. There's a moment of like, should I just slip out? Are they going to see me? It's awkward. Um, (laughs) And then Julian and Chenard seem to immediately connect. Yeah, I do like the look on his face. He's kind of frozen for a long, long time and just sort of like. What did I do? Yeah, like looking at a car crash, which was kind of great. He's attracted to it and repelled. And I I think he's actually pretty good as regular dr chenard i have yeah. different feelings about him as Cenobite. right 
but I, I kind of like him in this role. I get his passion to do with all of this Cole and his just curiosity didn't it and he seems psychologically curious about it all which I kind of like rather than Frank who's you know perversely curious about it all I like how Frank's line when he's like skinned is don't look at me and hers is like don't be scared of me yeah it's like why you skinned people keep telling me what not to do yeah (laughs) man you don't have any skin there's just so much blood everywhere I'm just like man you have so much blood in your house now there's just blood and his You're whole house is that. white. <laughs> I'm like, you, you, good luck on cleaning that Didn't shit up. Didn't think it through. Yeah. So she asks him to help her. Um, she tells him that she's cold, so he gives her a white suit to wear. Also, he looks because that's what skinned people should wear is more yeah, but white. Then immediately starts wrapping her in bandages after that, so it doesn't yeah. last very long. Yeah. Um, and then they make out a little bit. Yeah, she gives him white suit. Well, he wraps her up, I think, because she punches the mirror because she can't stand seeing herself like that. But also, she just wears a white suit. No, no. (laughs) Let me give you a white suit because you're bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) What was he thinking? Uh, What's he thinking when they make out for a little bit and then she makes him feel her butt and her breasts? After he's just wrapped her up. Yeah. Like, that's not the time to have sexy time. You have the sexy time when you don't have clothes on. Oh, would you though? No. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like... It's like you're going to get blood everywhere. It's so weird. I was like... (laughs) Yeah. But it's kind of weird as well because she's sort of forcing that sexuality onto him. And again, I don't see him as someone who'd be perversely into it all. Yeah. I I think he's into... Like the science of maybe it. he's a like a submissive dude and she's maybe he's like oh dom. strong dominatrix lady. Yeah. Me likey, Dr. Likey. <laughs> Dr. Likey. Carl, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, has gone back to Kirsty, uh, who's just come out of the shower, uh, yeah. and he tells her it's all true. Um yeah. and I love this bit. She goes to get dressed, but there are no clothes in her wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Also, he looks at her boobs for a quick second. He's like <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's looking down, and then he looks up. I'm like, "Wow, oh my god, you're caught on film forever." So Ashley was actually she was meant to do full nude for this scene, um, but she got really upset. Uh, was talking to Tiffany, the actress, Imogen beforehand, but how she didn't want to do it, and then she got upset on 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 the set and ended up putting her foot down, and saying no. But she wanted to do it, and then no, said, no, no, they no, wanted she was her meant to. to be doing full nudity. Oh. Uh, what I saw the quote was, the quote was full nudity. I don't know if they know. I, quite, I find quite a lot of time in Hollywood, they say full nudity and it's not full nudity. It's just boobs. It's topless, yeah. 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 Um, so I presume that was what it'd be because I can't imagine you'd suddenly have full nudity in this scene. Yeah. Although like, it's a British film, so you never know. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it went from full nudity to zero nudity yeah. and kind of just a pointless scene. Like, why do we have her in the shower? Yeah. Why? Well, and then he's like, I'll go find you some clothes. I'm a doctor. I, I'll do, I can that. do that. I can do that. It's fucking <laughs> so stupid. What? Uh, how? Okay. That's. Mm. I then, need to get some clothing. Well, maybe I stop by the doctor's office. For he just goes clothes. down to the maintenance room and steals some yeah. from somebody down there. But this yeah. whole scene's just pointless. She's in the shower. Doesn't need to be there. He comes in. She gets so angry about there not being clothes in the wardrobe. She's like, "Shit!" And then slams the door. Yeah. It's the worst acting she does. In maybe the she's like, "Shit!" Now I got to get full nudity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a towel for the rest of this film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then his line, I can get you, I can get your clothes. I can do that. I, I'm a doctor. It's <laughs> like he's like, reminding himself. Oh, yeah, this is all my training has been for this moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't really do much surgery or anything. This and film, then her best line, I think it's her best line, coupled with her worst acting, is when I think I hurt. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to think yeah. about it anymore because when I think I, I hurt. hurt. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, true of many aspects of this film. Yes. <laughs> I think too much about this film. I heard a yes. little bit. Uh, this one's an hour and 40 minutes. This is just a scene. Just take it out. Yeah. Make this film Not shorter, necessary. please. Not necessary. Yeah, the film hasn't really started yet, really, for what they want to get to. I know. It hasn't even happened. Uh, he tells her, though, about Jannard, and he has multiple boxes in his house. Now, we don't get much explanation for all this, but her journey is she thinks the father's in hell, so with one of these boxes, she can get to hell to get her father out of right. hell. Don't know why she thinks her father would be in hell. He didn't do anything bad. Yeah, Because he, he appeared he's, to her. I know. He said, I'm he's in a hell. nice boy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just, but she probably just assumes because he was wrapped up with the whole Frank and Julia thing that they just took him. Isn't it? Yeah. Associate by, yeah, uh, no, you're guilty by association. So her and Carl head on over to Nod's house. Meanwhile, oh wait, wait, hold on a second. This is the best line that he gets. He goes, "Okay, uh, she's about to go." He says, "Well, wait, hold on, two, give me two seconds." Oh yeah, oh, and my it's God. literally two seconds. He goes, comes back, and he has to check. He's like, "Okay," she's like, "What are you?" He's like, "I'm going with you." <laughs> she's like. Oh. Was he okay. just getting his jacket? Yeah. yeah he he literally loaded. just like went to grab his jacket and he came yeah. back. Fucking stupid. Who writes that? <laughs> I don't know. Someone who's never written a screenplay before. Yeah. He, grabs, he literally grabs his jacket. What is the purpose? That in? That's an editor's <laughs> like, we don't need this bit. That's, what, no, that's your job as an editor. Even Kirsty is like, what are you doing? Like, we yeah. just say four it's seconds It's supposed to be here. like that romantic moment where he's like, I'm going with you. Oh, but yeah. And here we get a terrible bit where, sorry. Yeah. He says, I'm going with you. And she's like, you don't have to. And he reaches across and touches her mouth. <laughs> And she's just like looking at him like, what are you doing? And he's like, I know. <laughs> As if, aren't we having a romantic journey oh together? Oh my God. Like, no. No, you're not having a romantic journey together. I think he's the crazy one. Also, you're a doctor, man. Like, yes. you need to stay here and do your job. Yeah, no one else is here. <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but meanwhile, in the time that that has taken, yeah. in the time that that has it, from him to be there and see Julia crawl out of the mattress, to then go back to the hospital, and now it's morning. So somehow it's taken him all night yeah. to go across campus or whatever to his, his uh, Chenard's house. In that amount of time, so maximum one night, and by giving it the one night is what have they been doing that entire night? Yeah. Chenard <laughs> in that time has fed Julia an entire host of bodies. Yeah. Also, which, sorry, sorry. They were kissing before you left. They're still in the same kissing position when yeah. we come back to them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they literally came back to kissing. It, yeah, they just been like, but yeah, there's like all these bodies strung up in a room, and he's uncutting her bandages and reveals she's now got complete skin, which is further than Frank ever got. I get it if you gave her eight bodies. Frank never got that many bodies. Um, or mostly, she's got a little bit of missing skin from her back. We're gonna learn. But what been like? How? How yeah. have they done this? How have they so fast? It's ridiculous. I, think me, I like to imagine that he threw a party for all his doctor friends or some... <laughs> and only invited really hot chicks. Yeah. His talk to party. Or he just, you know, he's a doctor, so he probably got a bunch of prostitutes. And then oh, one true. of them was a dude, so he's I'm like... He's a doctor, so he gar- probably got a bunch of prostitutes. He's got the money. He's got the like money. Like, I'm a doctor. He's like, yeah, got the doctor money. And he also, he looked like he killed a guy, so I'm like, that was his gardener or maintenance dude. Yep. Like, oh, well, you know too much. Come with me. I'm going to give you a promotion. Well, whatever. I mean, at least it does skip through something we've seen before, I suppose. Could we just have a gender swap version of it? It's crazy. Sorry. It's (laughs) crazy. It's (laughs) crazy because the writing, you're like, oh, this is cool. They skipped something we saw before, but you leave it. (laughs) Okay, give me two seconds. Yeah. No, it's stupid. Uh, she does have better hair Priorities. this time. I'll say that. And better yeah. earrings. Yeah, better hair, better earrings. It's a good hell makeover. 
better style overall. Yeah. She's like she died and learned something. She's like things. classy now. So Janard heads out again while Kirsty and Carl sneak into his house. Um, so explain me this. Kirsty, they're in his house. They're in the office. There's no one around. Kirsty goes for the boxes and Carl says, no, I have to check the house first. <laughs> yeah. You why? Yeah, what sort of boxes? Your best case scenario is you get there, no one's there, and you can take a box and go. That's yeah. your best case scenario. Instead, it's like no, no. How did this guy become a doctor? I have is to the go real question. Looking for danger before you take a box. Yeah, like so dumb. Especially because you got in really quick, and you're like, oh, the thing might be. Well, it's not in that room. I know. Why would uh, you look for it? Yeah. What the. F- Oh, boy. So, yeah, I don't understand this. Instead, he heads upstairs and he's about to go into the room of bodies when Julia turns up. And, of course, he doesn't recognize her as the you know, grotesque creature that he saw earlier. Um, and she kind of provokes him to go into the room, lets him go in. He doesn't run, doesn't scream, doesn't Doesn't she back. tell him not to go in there? No, she She's goes, like, well, it's too in a provocative, in, right. provocative, like, no, you shouldn't go in there. And then <laughs> opens the door. She's yeah. like, it's awful or something yeah oh, yeah so, isn't it terrible he's like yes it is terrible <laughs> but he doesn't really he's just staring at it all yeah. thinking about his lines for the theater play he's got to do that yeah thing, i think meanwhile kirstie's looking through all of janat's scrapbook uh on the boxes and she finds a picture of the man that pinhead used to be and then on the next page she sees an image with a diagram of a sectioned off face much like pinhead's like it's got like right. abc or whatever um and flips back to the photo as she puts it all together I kind of did. I mean, she, she definitely puts that together. It's for sure. inexplicable the reason she takes this photo. Yeah. This is one of those things that you do when you're writing this stuff. And you're like, oh, shit, we don't really have enough for her to realize. Because as a writer and a director, you're like, well, we know that's Pinhead. The audience knows that's Pinhead. They're like, oh, yeah, she yeah, doesn't really know it. but it took us literally watching the pins being driven into his head to know that that was Pinhead. But I mean, it's something I feel you don't get to until like you're on the set. And then people, so people are like, you know, she wouldn't know that that's Pinhead. And like, yeah. oh, fuck. Put a second page in with some with sort some of pin drawings. Face. Yeah. <laughs> so she yeah. gets it. And if she doesn't like, get it, then she's dumb. <laughs> yeah. So she steals the photo of him. Uh, why, though? You know, like, why? Mementos. She's just like, uh, I'll she's just steal this. She's going to frame it. This might come in handy. I should steal the picture. Like, I want boxes. I, wanna- I shouldn't take all their boxes. I'll just take the picture yeah. and one box. You take all the boxes. For I would sure. take all the boxes oh, and just sure. leave. I would take the book actually and the box and be like, shout for whatever his name is. I'm leaving. <laughs> Fuck you. I Kyle. would literally have a duffel bag and just be like taking all that guy's shit. Yeah. Because yeah. he is up to no good. And they've had all night to get a duffel bag, but apparently they've just been doing nothing. <laughs> I'm sure he has one in there. It's like a friggin' museum in there. Uh, oh, so- box. He probably has a box or crate of something. Yeah. And weapons. He probably has weapons for all we know. He is a doctor. <laughs> um, I like this shot. Close. I will say I like this shot with Julia. She's tempting Carl, and there's a shadow of the corpse between them. And then she walks towards him, and the camera pans around, and then we actually get the actual corpse like between them as they're yeah. talking, kind of thing. And mm. they keep this corpse oh, right. like yeah. between the two of them. And then she goes to make out with him as well, which yeah. he seems all fine with. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, all right. he's like, "Well, that bitch downstairs isn't giving me any, so." <laughs> Take it from um, you, weirdo lady. So, of course, she and at the last second, she tells him that she is Julia, kills him, sucks out all of his gooey goodness. Yeah. To fill the one little diamond patch on her also, back. Also, how are they, like, puncturing people's brains? She just, like, sticks yeah, her head goes in goes right head. in your neck. The power of desire. Yes. She does have really long nails. Yeah. So, then Kirsty comes up to find him, which, why bother? Just get out. Fuck, yeah. Fuck I would have just loved him, like, I would have gone heard something and I'm like, all right, I'm out. Well, he's dead. I'm like, figure this shit out on your own. I also, she just got out of the hospital. So it's like, 
why don't you just leave? You can be free, man. Yep. They don't need them. Nope. She wants her dad. Um, but then she runs into Julia. We get painfully expositional dialogue about Julia saying, now I am the real evil queen. I'm and queen. You're Snow White, so yeah, take your the- best shot at me. I didn't like this at all. It's terrible. And I know that a lot of people, they're like, oh, I really love this dialogue scene. And I just didn't like I it at all. I think it's mostly people involved with the film. <laughs> because we're watching some of the documentaries who yeah. like this scene. It is not a good scene. Yeah, so then she knocks her out and then Chenard brings back Tiffany, the box solver, and says now it's his turn. Oh, also, it's always upstairs, like the rooms where the... Yeah. It's always upstairs and she backhands, what's her name? So yeah, well. Like, a backslap. the super backhand. It's not so well. You see her like no, rearing no, I mean, back like- and then she runs <laughs> right into it. Yeah. No, I mean like so well as in it knocked her out. Like, oh, yeah. Who's got that kind of backhand power? Yeah. I don't know. Julia does. That evil The queen. villain uh, villainess that they want yeah. for this entire franchise. Freddy Krueger female. Sorry, we exactly. meant to think that Chenard has been trying to open these boxes but he's too and he yeah. can't. Yeah, he can't do it. And that's why he brings in Tiffany? Yeah. Or is it... My question. Mine, like, I didn't know if it was that or if he didn't... Waiting. Or if he knew what was going to happen. So, he was setting her yeah. up. I think like, he knew. He wanted to see what would happen. And so, he wanted to, like, oh, well, have yeah, her I think open he wanted it someone and else for her yeah. to take Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he wants the risk of chains coming out and ripping him. He right. wants yeah. to do it to somebody else, for so sure. He, we're meant but to my question think is, that he knows what he happens. He has a puzzle person who's had for six months who he knows is brilliant with these puzzles and will do whatever he tells her to do. Why didn't he just get her to do it earlier? Yeah. Like, he didn't need... He didn't need he didn't know about Julia until Kirsty suddenly came in. And now he's been given a guide to hell, essentially. Right. Yeah. To see how that's appealing to him. But he's he didn't know about any of that. He didn't have anyone to give him a guide. He right. just had... I mean, he's had Tiffany Frages. Just get Tiffany to open a box and go into hell by yourself. Yeah. I don't understand I think what he, he was just, waiting for. Yeah. He was waiting for the right moment. Yep. Yeah. He's... Uh, so... They're sitting in her in his in his office. They're hiding Julia and Chenard are hiding behind a two way mirror, and they give it a, a real puzzle box because Kirsty was stupid and didn't just throw all the puzzle box and run. Yeah, also, um, she's really mellow about it. The little girl. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that about her. She's just she's placid. Like, mm-hmm. She just you know doesn't care. Things now we get some crazy. terrible dolly shots here going into her face and then past her face to them in the mirror, and yeah. it's like really shaky. She opens the box this time by circling the panel about six times. She just keeps it like, going round and round and round. Like in the first one, there was that little thumb brush, which I kind of liked. Now it's like a wind-up clock. Yeah, <laughs> it'll wind it. It's, it's, you know, it hasn't been charged in a while with blood. <laughs> and then gates open up in the room and behind Chenard and Julia to hell. Let's just call it hell, shall we? Because it's called hellbound. I know some people like to call this dimension something else. Dimension something but else. It's called hellbound. So. Hellbound? It's called Hellraiser. No, but this one's called Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Oh, okay. So I feel they explicitly are definitely going to hell. I think they're going to Labyrinth. (laughs) They are very much going to the film Labyrinth. We'll get her in just a second. The four Cenobites come through. The original four, but a female is played by a new actress. Because what was it they said? Like, I think it was Clive Barker's cousin played the original one. She just said she couldn't do the makeup anymore. Yeah. So they're bringing someone new. Uh, I don't like her as much personally. she seems more just like a girl. Yeah. But again, really dominant face structure that like the other girl looked like willowy and more skeletal 
Yeah. Even though this girl has like great like cheekbones, but it's almost like she's too pretty. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, you needed that kind of like, and the other one you had like those cool wisps of hair that were coming out. Yeah. You're it was like, just, you're so bald. Yeah. It was just like, she wasn't pretty the first one. It was, no, she's really know, she was definitely squeaky. eerie and yeah, more vacant. Well, she comes out, Chatterer comes out, Butterball comes out. Chatter, and then they chomper. look like they're about to kill Tiffany when suddenly from a voice down the corridor, you hear, wait. Which is going to wait. be a resounding refrain. Pinhead comes wandering down and the music amps up for his appearance because they know now, oh, he's the big draw. He's the guy people want to see. So they turn him into, it's a whole different entrance from the first one. Where he just sort of wanders in. Now yeah. it's this big triumphant thing of, look, here's Pinhead. And sadly, for me, without real reason, because he's not great in this film and this scene is literally just a... I do like the line, like, here's where they have the line, where they're like, why can't we kill her? And he says, it's not hands that call us, it's desire. And then he looks across to where the two-way mirror was and sees Julia and Chenard have already gone wandering off into hell for a little tourist adventure. This is where our tour starts. I want to see a National Lampoon's vacation film that takes place in this film. Yeah, I'm just trying to get through hell. I don't think his deliveries are as good, though, in this movie. I have to say, I'm a big Doug Bradley fan. Love what he does with his character. There's a couple of lines he nails here. But there's a whole bunch here that just sounds like a weak character. Well, it's almost improvised and or they gave him the line right before they shot the scene. Like, it just doesn't feel like he's had time with these lines to really right. feel like what he, how he should deliver them. He just kind of says them really plainly and without much emphasis. And yeah. he's humanizing him too yeah, much Yeah, there's me. too much in there. Yeah, he's, he lost all his mystery and authority. Yeah. Because before he could be polite and you could have a conversation with him, but he was still like, oh shit, he could like yeah, he's turn on a blade. He's, he's the boss. He's the manager. He is the manager. He just like, seems like the assistant supervisor. Me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He just feels like he's had that job for too long now and yeah. he's just like, whatever. Whereas before when Kirsty was like, I'll give a, I'll give you Frank, like I'll return this person who got away from you and he's, you know, there was more of this, how dare someone has tried to escape me and like, if you cross me, I will, you know, Fuck you tear up. your soul apart. And here you just kind of get like, wait, 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 guys, let's hear what she has to say. Yeah. And it's like, no. It's it's like he definitely went backwards. He was a supervisor. Now he's just employee of the month. <laughs> How then are you feeling about our first glimpses of hell here? We've got Janard and Julia wandering around in the set design and all these tunnels. It was cool. It was a labyrinth. And I was wondering how they're going to do it. If it was going to be the... Endless corridor painting backdrop and one hallway shot just looped over and over. (laughs) Which you do still get. You definitely do still get. Lots of one corridor, I think, with the paintings. But at the time, I was like, wow, that's cool. They made them really small in this giant labyrinth painting. Yeah. I'm not like... I'm not a fan of showing hell in any film, to be honest. I feel it's one of those things where I'd rather just not see it and use my imagination because... It, I don't like it constructing to human ideas of what it should be. I like, like if you're going to do it and it's an 80s film and Labyrinth yeah, had come out two years prior, it was big in the zeitgeist at this point. There's definitely an influence for sure here. I'm fine going that route of the practical route. And okay, fine. Let's have this literal labyrinth, which is what Chenard was talking about earlier in the brain and all that shit. But it looks pretty bad here. Like it's, 
I don't know. I remember the first time I watched it, I was soul crushingly disappointed. I was just yeah. like, oh, really? We're going to go to hell. Please don't go to hell. And then we do. And we spent most of the movie there. And I'm like, this is what hell looks like. See, I never thought of it as hell when they would go there. I just thought it was like this in between kind of place sure. where you're just in that desire, pleasure, torture realm that the Cenobites live in, where you're not really even in. A hell. Which, to be fair, I mean, I think it definitely in a hell, because again, it's in the name. Yeah. But Pinhead does later on say, you know, someone isn't in this realm of hell. So there are different realms, different versions of hell, yeah. I'm sure. But do you really, like, the Cenobites version of hell, it's that seemed long. really tame. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even for what they did to Frank immediately, like, you literally ripped that guy apart with hooks and, like, had to piece him back together. Yeah. yeah. And in this one, the most torture that we see here is, like, a threesome where the woman is just like in between two guys that are sort of hooked to a wall. Yeah, and one dude's not even facing her. Yeah, one dude's just like kind of like writhing against her backside. That's why I was just like, mm, whatever, I don't know what this place is, but I'll ride with it. Yeah. Also, it could just be <laughs> the girl created this hell because she's the little girl. Like mm. she opened the portal to that one where it's yeah. like very tame. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but Frank's here and we're going to get the Leviathan in a minute. But yeah. we'll get a- I just like how for the time it was because i i never watch you know i don't watch a lot of horror films and like cg and yeah, yeah all yeah. the practice i was like how are they gonna do this hell bit mm-hmm. and it's cool to see them try to do something at that time yeah again that's what i mean it's like if i can get over my disappointment of we're going to hell i don't mind them doing it in a practical way jj but... abrams didn't do it man i'm just kidding <laughs> Or no, Spil- Spil- Spilbergy. I just was Cloverfield Paradox. I'm happy. <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm also confused because the Cenobites just wander off and they leave all the gates open yeah. to hell. And then the box, we see a shot, or two shots actually, of the box closing like it did in the previous film. When the box closed in the previous film, the door everything closed. else closed. Yeah. And this, it all just stays open. Yeah, it's like they... I don't know. They, Is that because Julia and Chenard have wandered in, then the Cenobites are like, okay, we'll leave it open until we get them out again or yeah why would they even take them out they'd be like no you're stuck in here forever yeah none of it made sense also it just seems like they're sloppy now i'm like how did you not even sense that like you seem to know everything you just appear like this is the film two and three at the point in the franchise where you look at what happened with one you look at what people liked with one and immediately because they rushed into production so quickly i don't think they got what people like necessarily and then you create your law properly because you can re-jam, you know, you're going to like contradict the first one a little bit, but this is a whole mess of stuff. Yeah, totally. But also, like you said, there's three people that had different ideas and yeah. you could totally feel it. Yeah, this. people are fighting a little bit here. Yeah, and then we get fucking carnival music. This is one of my least favorite things in horror films. You get carnival music as Tiffany goes wandering in there, uh, just as Kirsty's then waking up again. And Tiffany goes through a doorway into hell and starts... Uh, sorry, Kirsty goes through a doorway and starts calling out for a daddy. Also, why did her room only now have, like, the boards and all that? You know, yeah. like the walls here. I'm like, yo, they already arrived, like, hours ago. I don't know. See, meanwhile, yeah, Tiffany's wandering around this stupid carnival, which I fucking hate it. I really hate it. We've got, like, a clown juggling eyeballs for... Is this meant really to be tied stupid. into her past? Like, was she meant to be part of it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is like exposition for her. Because then we get stuff to do with her mother, who's asking, we presume, Chenard to help her daughter. Because she's saying to somebody, to us, who like, we're in the eyes of her killer, essentially, I think. And she's saying, like, can you help my daughter? And then this black glove hand <laughs> yeah. goes over her mouth. And it's just like, I don't, 
I don't it's understand. Not clear yeah. And she looks a bit like the woman who's at the beginning who he's giving a lobotomy to. Yeah. Oh. So I'm confused. Like, it is, did he take her mother? That's what, yeah. That's where I kept getting confused was, did Jannard do something malevolent to her mother? And yeah. then that's how Tiffany ended up in that institute. Because it's entirely possible that Tiffany and her mother were part of a carnival thing because she had great puzzle solving, whatever, like something that's showing off. I don't know. And Chenard found them through this and then abducted like the mother. And you then... are giving a lot of credit. To no, but it's what story. I mean. It's like there's stuff like you could easily, again, make all of this make sense. But, but it's just not there in the writing yeah. uh, or the edit or any of it. Instead, we've got stupid fucking imagery stupid clowns like and really this is what hell's gonna be this is where pinhead hangs out right like, <laughs> and then we see tiffany looking yeah because she looks like really young but with like pigtails and stuff when she's calling out for a mom who's grabbed by the black left hand and i don't know what's going on and then a baby doll with his mouth being sewn together which was really stupid and tacky. sewing its own yeah. mouth together yeah and it's clearly and it's a doll doll it's not like a baby it's meant to, i think it's meant to be a baby but it looks like a doll <laughs> yeah right and then a laughing clown painting. I just got written down. This is all. This is all very terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all very terrible. But then we get a, a horn, a deep and dark horn that's going off, and we see a matte painting. This is one of our super wide shots, which I think you're talking about, Justin, which you can't like because you get little people, huge. They're like walking on top yeah. of the maze here. Very very big, old school eighties Escher style sort of painting almost. Yeah, that's that made me think of uh, what's the name Dolly paintings. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like. This is cool. Which it does make sense that Julia and Chenard are on top because she's meant to kind of. By this point, you kind of realize that she is taking him there for a purpose. Like she's mm-hmm. she knows what she's also, doing. Also, for being dead for like not that long. Wow, you know your way around this place pretty well, and you've mastered it all. Yeah, but that's like what you were saying is yeah, that their interpretation of time is different. Yeah, that's what I was. That's right. right. But I'm just saying, like, if we Which went was with, the credit I had to give this because, yeah, yeah otherwise it's <laughs> Doesn't a work. long period to establish her yeah. relationship with this place. Yeah. I'm just like, I mean, I've come to terms with it now, but yeah, like I say, the first time I watched this, which was like 20 years ago, I was just so disappointed. I really was. I was like, this is not, I didn't mind. The opening stuff was kind of fine with. We were retreading a lot of stuff, but this stuff, I'm just like, <sighs> I just, I don't want to see hell. I really don't. But I've come to terms with it now. I know where this series is going. I know the ups and downs we're going to be hitting. So I'm more accepting of, like, say, the charm of the 80s style of what it's going to be doing. That was the 80s. Yeah. Opening sequence. Kirsty in hell, meanwhile, has found her old house. We presume where she grew up because it's a new house to us. Uh, We have pictures of her and her mom. And then they start bleeding and they turn into pictures of Julia. And then we hear that baby crying again from the first one. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff to do with babies. I don't know what that's about. I think they just realized that it was an eerie sound. And yeah. They, yeah. They what's what's eerie? It. What makes people's skin crawl? Babies cry. It just makes me angry. I just go, shut that <laughs> baby up. Just feed it. Someone feed it. Rock it. Put a titty in its mouth. Call it a day. <laughs> wow. Put a titty in its mouth. That's what you do, though. Um, yeah, they like doing the baby crying and the church bells. We got a lot of church yeah. bells here. Because what else? What is more scary than church and babies? <laughs> babies crying. <laughs> First comes church, then comes babies. Yeah. And then she does a scream and they show off this spinning camera rig that they've clearly rented in for one day. Uh, because they really use it here. It spins around like six times. Kind of like it for the first couple. But then she's just standing there screaming while the rigs is spinning and spinning and spinning. And what's worse is then the centipites turn up and the fucking camera keeps spinning 
on each of the center points while they're talking and yeah. you just get them like upside down and going around it's like this is how you're trying to make them scary now as they spin spooky uh, and really bad this is the first point where i've really noticed it but there's some terrible editing in this film like really bad editing like just all over the place doesn't match up confusing really terrible and then pinhead turns to the lament configuration box into like a diamond yeah. spear right which at the time we we're like, well, what's that about? We haven't seen Leviathan yet. It should be pointed out. And then he looks, he gives this kind of cocky look because she goes like, oh no, you turned the box because try- she's trying to use it. And he's like, why, where are you going to send us? We're already where you would send us. Right. And then he just turns it into a diamond thing and then she panics and he looks at her with this kind of like, hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See what I did? <laughs> you like what I did here? New configuration, bitch. <laughs> Solve that puzzle. And then they tell her that a father's in his own hell and quite unreachable. Which again, I don't know why he'd be in any hell because I, I think it's boy. like you know, he just it's like here. hell, which is cooler than this place, would be heaven. <laughs> so that's a hell in its own, <laughs> or wherever else. Yeah. It's like he's actually not dead; he's on Earth in a yeah. burnt and like a, <laughs> getting skin graft. That's you ever been skin graft? <laughs> he is dark man. Yeah, he does give probably my favorite line that Pinhead gives, other than the one earlier the, which the yeah we're not called by hands we're called by oh, design right. i like this one as well he does the we have eternity to know your flesh and basically lets it free and says off you go wander around be a tourist <laughs> man that girl cenobite really wants kirsty oh yeah every time she's just like say girl what oh you're back cool yeah to kill you come this on time. Yeah, let's hey. go let's oh you're white oh you're leaving Pinhead keeps going, no i know no killing no, it's like no, no lesbian Cenobite action. Yeah, it's like, stop it. Stop, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Not allowed. D- DT, stop it. So then Kirsty and Symphony, they run into each other. Uh, Julia's meanwhile introducing Chanar to her god, who she says in this scene, is where we get clarification, sent her back. So we do at least get, okay, just trying, like, because with Frank, it was him escaping. Mm-hmm. With this, it is she's been sent on a mission. Uh, but she still needed the blood and the mattress and a lot of contrivances needed to happen for the mission to succeed. Right. It's a lot of work for that mission. Yep. And it's this big, so she calls it Leviathan, the god of flesh, hunger, and desire. Um, And it looks like the box spear that Pinhead's just turned the configuration into. He just made a baby Leviathan. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And there's like a black lighthouse that's spilling out of it and a huge horn, this sort of deep resonating horn that goes across all of hell. And then it immediately cuts into these, what I think is a cool idea, but again, they're not doing it right, which it kind of, you get inversion of colors and then we're going into Channard's brain and we see like a clip from his childhood where he's this fucked up little kid and he's, what's he killing a pet? He's like dissecting a cat or something. Yeah. Um, and then we get some of his desires. We see more of his sexual stuff to do with Julia. Um, and then we're going to get Tiffany's mother again. So we definitely learn, okay, he did kill Tiffany's mother. I Mm -hmm. thought that's what it's definitely telling us. And yeah, we learned Julia was allowed to come back as because the Leviathan wanted souls. So like, why won't you send everyone? Why won't you just like let Pinhead go and do his thing? Right. And bring you lots of souls. Don't really yeah. understand. How are you guys feeling about the Leviathan? This is essentially the biggest demon. I mean, this is essentially the devil. That's the big baddie. In terms of this yeah, version I was just of like, Meh. I don't like non-sentient or no, I wouldn't say non-sentient. I don't like I don't like shapes as bad people. <laughs> like I just, to me, I was like, this is just all the algebra that I hated yeah. coming back to haunt me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just a horrible film for a Yeah, yeah. it just, 
I don't, I didn't, I did not, I was not afraid of this thing at all. Yeah, this in is any a way. horror film for math nerds. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm a, I'm a math dropout. I don't give a shit about like, your I was like, do I have to solve for X to get out of here? Cause it's going to be a while, but it's, yeah, I was not. You forgot your pen mask. There's <laughs> <laughs> another variable. God damn it. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't find this scary at all. At all. I did like the flashback thing, like where it could you could kind of access people's darkness. Yeah, they hit an idea there. You get this music that goes like, and you're like, oh, we're going to go into everyone's minds and see all their desires and stuff. It's just like a shrug, a cool idea. I actually like Leviathan, but I like the idea of Leviathan. Like, I don't like, again, none of these effects are working for me. I mean, it looks really stupid the way it's spilling out. I really like deep dark horn noises like it makes work well for me there's just something and again this is more feeding into the influences for silent hill they took a lot from this film but i do like the idea of it for me the idea of i'm kind of the opposite for you with that like the idea of like yeah clive barker originally wanted there to be a creature he wanted it to be a creature that was running this place and it was going to be a puppet kind of creature and for me that sounds terrible like for me i don't want to see anything that puts more of a direct finger that i can correlate to human events on hell i don't like so that's why i don't like the labyrinth i don't like anything that looks like you know hot sauna that they're fucking in like i don't want to see a creature that i can identify i like the idea of hell should be beyond your imagination so for me it's kind of like i like solaris for me as an alien film because you can't imagine the aliens you don't really see them in that it's this concept so i like the concept of tying into the lament configuration as well of the box in a way then that that is and the lighthouse thing i kind of like it's like over it's kind of like sauron's eye from lord of yeah. the rings you know i guess related. i just wanted other activity from it than the black what looked like a sharpie had been drawn over the film yeah well, again yeah the effects don't just, work but a concept if it I like. maybe had done something else i would have liked it better but you saw no activity from it no, at all no, just no, I just, no i don't think yeah. they use it well at all i think there's a terrifying way even in the labyrinth i think it's a terrifying way of having them down on the ground and like like siren's eye you hear and you hear that horn and then the world turns like inverted black to white yeah. whenever it's like scanning basically the area or something and they have to like hide from it but instead everyone's just happy to stand in front of yeah. it the whole time it doesn't do anything, basically, yeah. other than create a new Cenobite, which happens in this scene, where this stupid little cardboard lift turns up. Yeah. With sort of bits of the Lamont configuration design over it. Janard then is encouraged to go into it. It's got tacky, just just little like tubes and fleshy pincers and stuff that just look like what they are which is badly made props there's a lot of great effects work i will say like the makeup yeah, team is great but these elements look terrible to me and so he gets in there and then it all closes on him and goes into him you get like this weird fleshy sort of flower penis that goes into his mouth <laughs> And tubes that are injecting like blue liquid. I'm like, how does hell have tubes? And, right. and where do they pick this up? Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. what's with the piano wire that doesn't really fully cut his face? They just kind of like put on there, like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of work. Squishes. Yeah, it's like a cheese grater, but then they get bored. I'm just like, of, we're gonna hold it's it. Fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't like any of this. This is, to me, is like the worst type of ugly. This is what I, when I was growing up, hated the idea of horror films with this kind of stuff. It was like 80s stuff when it doesn't work and it just looks like tacky props of but people wanting to create horrible imagery. And it is horrible, but in a kind of... This is just 
this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, Tiffany and Kirsty find the house from the first film, or at least the exterior of the house from the first film. And then she leaves Tiffany outside and she goes inside. Oh, oh, so she's like, stay here. If I don't come back in this amount of time, I'm like, yo, you realize she's not mentally challenged. She just doesn't talk. Yeah. Like, she's braver than you. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. got her shit together. She's smarter she's than you. She's smarter than capabilities. Yeah. You're the one running around freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> she's like talking down to him like, man, you're you're the idiot here. Yep. Yep. And then just run away to begin with. Don't hang about. <laughs> You made all the bad choices. This is actually all your fault. Well, to, to be fair, Tiffany walked into hell of her own accord because she heard carnival music. Yeah. But also she's like, I'm a bad girl too. <laughs> well, she's like, what else do I have to do? Go back to that insane asylum? Yeah, she didn't really have much to look forward to. So she's just kind of, she's, you know, waiting for the right opportunity. She's living her Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> So Kirsty goes into the house and it's not the house. It's this weird big room and there are like these white, they're almost like, uh, what do you call it when you're in a morgue or mortuary? Yeah, like the slabs. Yeah, it's like slabs that are like coming out automated. They have naked ladies underneath with very large breasts to show through the sheets. <laughs> They've got them yeah. on top of them. They've like, all got underwear on, but no bras. I noticed. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're only sort of slightly translucent sheets and they're writhing around making sexual noises. And then when you get near them, they all kind of get pushed away again. And then Kirsty goes to take off one of the sheets and they just disappear. I'm interested in what you got from this, Justin. Because this is, it turns out to be Frank's Hell, which is to live in a room... Yeah. of naked ladies under sheets that you can't do anything with <laughs> yeah. his style is to have blue balls yeah basically damn, well, why don't you just like don't lift the sheet up just touch them over the sheet <laughs> just yeah your hell is you sheet, just man. masturbate all yeah. the time just masturbate don't put your don't lift the sheet up maybe like you could put your penis under the sheet <laughs> Frank really didn't try to work out these rules here <laughs> Temptation is kind of all this, or not oh, lust, man. some problem with blue balls. Not, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is really like, dumb. This is familiar. Yeah. It's like, we're just an 80s music video. And when we yeah. get the guy, it's all, uh, no, the guy plays Frank uh, for the first one returning. He just looks like he's from an 80s music video yeah. anyway. Uh, like he's spray on stubble. <laughs> right. <laughs> he reveals that he was the one who tempted Kirsty into hell, not her father. Shocker. Big to everyone. twist. And then he gets all rapey. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, look, I got one bed with no one on it. You can, you're a real person now. You're here. I can have sex with you. Was that his only intention? Yeah. I didn't really so. get if he was calling her there because she was the only one he could access. And then she would be like, he knew that she would walk into hell with a physical body. I think so. Yeah. That's. Yeah. yeah. She's that, connected to the box already. Plan. He can reach her. And he just wanted some sexy time. He liked her in the first one. So he's like, yeah, let's get her Frank into needs hell. to get his brain also, on He's like, you're things, dead. Man. Fucking dead. Yeah. Like, you have bigger problems than that. was one of his lines. Right yeah. yeah. You're, you're trapped here, bro. But then again, his room looks pretty boring. That's for you, probably. That's true. <laughs> like, there's not much going on. Yeah, so she pretends to give up and then walks over to the bed. In a really uh, weird, like, miss-kiss. Where she's, like, obviously trying to avoid his lips. He also says, don't be naughty or I'll have to punch you first. (laughs) (laughs) What? I missed that. Yeah, Yeah, that's what he said. Wow. Dang. Well done, Frank. 
But then she throws the sheet onto one of the 80s music video candles that just happens to be burning around <laughs> the place. Super flammable <laughs> sheets, that man. That come with a warning. Holy the shit. The fucking room Holy just goes sheet. up immediately. Yeah, everything burns. She looks a bit surprised by that, too. She was like, oh. But the reality of what she was thinking was, like, because she does this dramatic, like, oh... I'm never going to have you know, sex with you. I'd rather like burn in hell or whatever and throws the sheet onto the candle. It would just go thump, and it'd be a little tiny flame. Like that's what her, her plan has to have been. She kind of <laughs> knows the entire room would blow up in right. flames. Yeah. She was uh, like, psych, we're not having sex. And the point of this is to burn Frank's skin off again. So he's back to skinless Frank. Yeah. As Julia comes in, who's now sort of kidnapped Tiffany and she, you know, goes over to Frank. He's trying to tempt her back in and she just, Kills him. Rips Which also, I think they were like, well, they were, why is they writing this? Like, well, okay, Frank and Julia are being seen, but no, she would easily cave in. Like, look how handsome he, he is. His skin will melt off and then he'll be not as handsome. Because yeah. <laughs> we all know when Frank's got his full skin, Julia cannot resist. Uncontrollable. Yeah. She would instantly buckle, but she was like, no, you're weak. You don't even have skin. That's <laughs> I've, how she, I've got skin now. Yeah. I've got my skin. So, this scene was meant to be different. So, Justin, did you wonder at any point, where is Kirsty's father? Why don't we see Kirsty's father in this film? Did you want to see him? Were you happy that Larry was gone? I did kind of want to see him. Yeah. Yeah. It was meant to be here. Andrew Robinson was given the script and the original version of it. He's meant to be like welded to Frank in this version of hell. And he's basically kind of pacified. Uh, he's not talking or anything. He's just kind of like Siamese twins almost sort of thing. That. And Frank then goes to have sex with his daughter while he's attached to him. And then he sort of comes online and wakes up and rips himself. Like he kills Frank and then rips himself off of Frank. And then they have to get him to the hospital. And he's basically in the hospital for the rest of the movie. That hell hospital. Which but, but none of it makes any sense. Cause yeah. It's like, what the fuck would he be doing in hell? Why would he be welded to Frank? Yeah. Like, it's why would he be offline when Frank is online? Yeah. It's really it, stupid. It was really stupid. Luckily, Andrew Robinson, who plays Larry Carlton, read it and said, I'm not doing this. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. I've got better things to do. Nice. And refused to come back. And he's okay. very candid about that in the making of it. It's great. He's just like, no, this is a terrible script. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to do this. Um, nice. and a, I know he had some problems on the set of the first one as well. So I don't think he was enamored with the series anyway. But because of that, the writer, to his credit, uh, Peter Atkins, he didn't want that scene. It was something that Clive Barker and the director wanted. And luckily for him, he got to write that out, which is why then they kind of reshaped everything into Frank pretending to be the father to lure her to hell and all this stuff. So it's why it is a bit muddled. It's because there was a whole different sub-thread plot going on, which then got changed just to this weird scene, um, which now, yeah, Julia kills it. But it makes sense if they wanted Julia to be the big bad. Yeah, she should kill Frank. She yeah. deserves that retribution. She does. I mean, even without being the big bad, I think she deserves that. Because, And I liked that she got to take it from skinless Frank because that was kind of the, that was her her journey, you know, was she had to fall in love with him without even skin on. And she was willing to do that. You know, she was willing to do everything for him. And then he betrayed her so i thought it was really appropriate for her to like act as if and then to just like literally rip his heart out and yeah and use the body. line use his line that he used on her yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it was a cool shot too her like holding his beating heart yeah I thought that was great yeah so meanwhile the stupid chamber opens up again and we reveal cenobite janard <laughs> yep he has uh yeah the line and to think i hesitated which is you know it's keeping i don't mind when he first steps out i'm like all right yeah 
He's blue. He's got she's greater face. And like, all right, you look sort of Cenobite. But then flower penis <laughs> with rotating blade. Like the thing which is like the beginning yeah. when he was doing it. Exactly. Like he used in someone else's head, then goes into his head, and we get and I don't know if this I was trying to say to Katie, like, I don't know what it is that upsets me so much. But it's something that upsets me so much. And I don't know if it's because I saw it when I was 17. And about oh, just just the look of him, the thing going into his head, the noise that they use for as it's going into his head is for like pleasure, pain, pain noise. And then his arm movements, which are all like staccato elbows out. I hate it so much. Like, yeah. I find it so aggressively ugly. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I wrote down that he got a milkshake lobotomy. Yeah. That's pretty much what he got. It's horrible. That's pretty much what happens. I, I turned to Katie because we watched this one together and I turned to you and I was, I was like, I'm really sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there are certain things where I'm just like, you could be doing anything else with your life. <laughs> this is now what you're doing is watching. Th- and if it's a bad film, I can take it. But these things where it's just ugly, you know, for, I don't know why. I don't seem to upset other people like they do me. But this me, wasn't it's like, even the part that bothered me. It was later on with him. Oh, there's with, lots with the, him. like floating yeah. sort of feel of him and then just like the obvious yeah i hate bioorganics really bad i hate mach- machines going to human parts i really hate it in horror films and everything here looks like a stupid fake prop so it's just and to be clear to clear any confusion when people watch this uh if you're going to watch it the thing that does go into his head and then it's it's basically like an arm of leviathan so it's leviathan is meant to be controlling him placing him where you want a very and it looks like a penis and they did model in the making of the special effects. People are like, yeah, we modeled it after a penis because we were trying to like do the perverse side of the original film. He literally um, has a dickhead. He literally has a dickhead. Uh, right, he's and a dickhead. They use like real photos of aggressive, terrible like versions of herpes to put all over it. So that's what this literally meant to look like is a herpes written penis. He's a giant herpy. Yep, exactly. But then Tiffany and Krusty, they're hanging out in a windy corridor basically it's pretty breezy yeah it's not even just comes really out windy. nowhere when julia comes along holding the spear configuration and tiffany tries to help julia because uh, she starts getting sucked down it oh wait no before the breezy thing the girl finally says her first line which is shit no that's actually just after that oh really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's oh, just, damn after it. That. just after I, that i put drop crystal doesn't notice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's coming up yeah, Tiffany tries to help Julia, but Julia's skin just rips right off. She's only helping her because she sees that she has the configuration. You think? Yeah. I thought it was because yeah, there's pointed shots of her looking at her hand and then looking up at Julia and like her initiating the attempt to help only after seeing that she's got it in her hand and she's like, she's going to drop it and then it's going to go in this like wind. Yeah, but then that makes no sense because if that's the reason, she tries to help her. I know. The so skin gets sucked off. Julia somehow. goes skinned like flying into wherever and we don't see her again for the rest of the movie. Spoilers, that's it for her. She's gone. Her skin falls on the floor with the box in the spear configuration lying there and then Kirsty and Tiffany just run off without picking it up. Kirsty for this. Yeah. Because Kirstie's the one who like grabs her hand and is like, we gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Kirstie's the one who. Fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. Why you wouldn't pick it up doesn't make any sense. And then they get like into the main sort of, what do you call it? The place where all the hospitalized people are. Dorm, oh, dorm room. The kind wing of thing. or whatever. Yeah. Main wing of the hospital. And they come across half a dozen or more patients who are now all playing with the Lamont configurations. 
so we're still in hell, right? I no. thought it was. No, it's not. They seem to be in the hospital, but now everyone's got boxes. No, it's not. But they're not in hell. They've actually went back to the real world. But how? But there's that many boxes, and I don't who, know, man. Who I gave tell. them them? I don't know. Is the hospital trapped in hell, though? Do you think because the door? I thought it was opened. just like a parallel dimension. No, because at the end the nose they show the box properly. So I feel like if the doors were open, they're still yeah, open. The do- yeah, the door's been open, so it's still open. But it's fucking confusing. It is. Yeah. It gets. It, this is where I was just like, "What?" Because the then f-? we just get a series of them running in and out and in and out. Yeah, and I was like, "Choose what a you don't fucking know. place where to right. battle." And this is where we get the line because yeah, Shannard Cenobite suddenly comes through the doors, suspended on Herpes' penis, with his terrible line: "The doctor is in." Oh, he just starts in with the doctor puns like crazy immediately. I hate all of this. I hate just all of it. And Tiffany looks up and just goes her first line, which is... Shit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, she speaks and that's a line. Shit. Even Kirsty looks at her with this like, really? That's face? what you got to say, PSL? That's what we're... You can talk and that's what we're going to say. And she's like, I just can't talk. I'm not stupid. <laughs> Get your shit together. You're a grown ass woman. <laughs> Let me get some stop motion, which you don't get to see that post this film no. ever i don't think we get a tree of tentacles which are sprouting from Cenobite shenard's palms different things come out of these tentacles depending yeah. on who he's looking Flower. at we get blades Blade. flowers beckoning fingers yeah. needles but the girls though run away from him and straight into the Cenobite crew and now suddenly chatterer has eyeballs yeah you know, it looks this? like yeah. a werewolf i went what the fuck who's this guy i thought it was a completely different dude and then he started going <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, still me. I love that. Yeah, and I was like, what? No, who's this guy? Yeah, what the hell is that? Chatterer, what is that bullshit? Because Chatter for me, like Pinhead's obviously like you know the coolest dude, but Chatter always looks cons- consistently the coolest. Pinhead, I'm always looking at his makeup to go, how well did they do it in this shot? And sometimes it's off, sometimes it's on, sometimes the pins are wonky, but Chatter always looks awesome, and he's the scariest, I think. Yeah. Now he's got eyeballs, and like, this guy looks dumb. So, what this was, and there's conflicting stuff about this. So, there was meant to be a scene that transitioned to ter- two versions of Chatterer, where you see him having surgery, like cutting open bits of his face and revealing his eyeballs. Now, there are claims that this is done because they were trying to humanize, they were trying to show yeah, what they used to be. So, it was like him going to undergo surgery to become human again. But there's also a lot of claims that on set, the guy who's playing Chatterer couldn't see anything and he was moaning about it constantly. So they decided to retcon it halfway through the film to give him my pieces so he could see what he was doing without bumping into shit all the time. And they a part of this apparently is also because the guy who was playing, uh, he was Nicholas Vince, I think is his name, during one bit when he's by the rotating pillar with hooks, one of the hooks went into his jaw and actually gave him he claims he still has like either a scar or some like problems with his jaw because of it to this day uh, he seems very good-natured about it all and everyone else teases him about it like really is he still moaning about that <laughs> from decades ago he's milked that for fucking ages that did not look like a sterile work environment i'd be pissed if i got like <laughs> some shit from a dirty hook that cut stuck in my jaw so yeah apparently it was because like it seems the real truth is that happened and then he said well, it was because i couldn't see where the fuck i was going i need to be able to see where i'm going right. so they'd made a quick decision of all right let's give you eyeballs and try and work into the story but then there's a whole bunch of things that were actually cut from this section anyway so there is a very famous shot from the hellraiser series that a lot that has been legendary which is of pinhead and google it on your laptop actually so you could show it to justin pinhead and the female Cenobite in scrubs 
and it was on the and it became legendary it really did people were like what is this scene that was so horrible that no one can ever show it in any of the versions of the film and it's the most thing that doug bradley's pretty much been asked every time he's at conventions people like tell us about the scrub scene like what was going on and the truth of it was was simply that they'd written it and it was meant to be the scene where in this bit where they're in the hospital and then they run down the corridor the Cenobites come out uh, in scrub gear essentially but but pinhead looked like a doctor and it's written very simply in the script it's one of those lines you know where you get in the script and it's like okay but then how do you actually shoot this and it's meant to essentially be like they're talking to this doctor and then he pulls down his face mask and then pins like come out of his head and he becomes pinhead while they're talking to him and it was very simple like how it's written but then when you get to shooting it which they clearly didn't do enough pre-production but you get to shooting it and they're like oh how the fuck do you do this and then he didn't have digital effects at that point so you couldn't do it the way we would just do it now which would be pretty easy and they did shoot a bunch of it. Doug Bradley says most of his memories are just waiting around in scrubs. And during the time of waiting around, these photos were taken. And then certain regions, I think it was in some press kits, put them on them because it was a good image. And then I think it was on the German version of the VHS or something. It was put as one of the free photos on the back of the box. And it became this big thing in Hellraiser lore of what is this cutscene? And because they're in medical equipment, people thought it must be a horrible, nasty cutscene where bad things happened. And the honest truth is they did film some of it, but they didn't film all of it. You can actually watch the version now on the Arrow video version of the Blu-ray discs. Yeah, it's there in the deleted scenes. No, just the deleted scene. It's there. It's got missing shots because they didn't shoot all of it. And it just wasn't very good. And they didn't know how to do the transition they needed, so they took it out. So that's the truth of the social scene. But yeah, so confusing stuff here. Chatter has only got eyeballs. And then more confusing, weak stuff from Pinhead, where he's like, no, Kirsty, it's not your flesh. Sorry, it's your flesh that we want to experience, not your skill at bargaining. But then she starts to bargain with him, and he's like, all right. Yeah. It's a total pushover at this point. Yeah, he's like, I lost uh, my supervisor position. <laughs> so um, I'm just working going, for the weekend, really. Yeah, and yeah. Chomp, Chomper got an upgrade. He's now Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> Now you can see what he's chomping. He's not chomping half as much as he used to. <laughs> yeah. He does do the good line, though. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. So Pinhead, though, she passes him a photo and says, look, you all used to be human. And you can see them all start to think, oh, did I? I used to be human. And they start looking. Well, the female one's like, no. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. she immediately is like, oh. I know. Oh, I remember a rave once. Yeah. And then she passes Pinhead the photo of himself. Now, Pinhead just looking at a photo is a ridiculous shot for me. No matter looking at a photo of himself with a young girl, it's like, no, it's you. I promise. I promise. And then he goes, wait, I remember. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't get flashback or anything. I just want him to be like, who is this handsome chap? (laughs) (laughs) I like this guy. Bring him to my hell. Who is this devilish Englishman? (laughs) Really just, I mean, I get what they're trying to do here. They've realized Pinhead is what people are liking. So they're like, all right, let's make Pinhead kind of our hero. But Freddy's not the hero. Jason's not the hero. Michael Myers isn't the hero. Chucky's not the hero. That's the wrong way to go with your villain. You can find them cool and the fans will still applaud them. But for me, this is just weakening. Well, and then to have him as quote unquote the hero and then to make him human makes him weaker Mm -hmm. in his world. So then he literally is non-heroic at all in this entire film. 
Yeah, well, he doesn't. He's not threatening because he doesn't no. kill anybody. And then he dies very quickly. Well, yeah, Chinab- right after this. So Cenobite Shinnard just- comes yeah. in and kills all the Cenobites immediately. He comes in and goes, "Oh, good, a fight!" And we're like, "Oh, cool, there's going to yeah. be a fight." I was like, "This is great! I'm I was, excited!" I was stoked. I was like, "A Cena battle with yes. Cenobites eating Cenobons!" Oh my god! <laughs> there is no Cenobons. Yeah, you're zero right. fight here. He kills. The three main it's a slaughter. Uh, three side centibytes immediately, and we get to see the human forms. Yeah, which girl was a girl, a girl, a girl. but not the girl who played her. Which is like, why? And we have Butterball, who was a fat guy, but not the guy who played him. Which is why. And then we have Chatterer slash I Bully. Yeah, we're calling him now. Who is a little boy? Yeah, what the fuck? A pre emo kid. What is this How? kid? Yeah, why is this kid Chomper? It makes no sense. Yeah. Absolutely no sense. Because if you're going with their idea of like the Cenobites are the evilest of the people, how he's not even old enough to be that evil. <laughs> yeah. He's and a I little, think it's meant to he be. He was a little shit. I think it's meant to be a good twist reveal, which it could be, but not the way they're doing any of this, you know? And again, it's like, if you do this stuff, then give us flashbacks for each of them. Show us something to do with each of them, opening yeah, the box and what happened. Yeah, use the Leviathan thing to show us like their thinking or their yeah. thought process or history or whatever if you want to humanize them humanize them you don't humanize them by having them killed immediately taking away all of their threat and power and then all we get is just like a dead flesh body like that's not humanizing but anyway and then we think oh well pinhead's gonna be the fight right and pinhead like turns to Kirsty, he's kind of like get out of here girl i got this <laughs> yeah and then he gets shot a bunch in the face and he gradually turns into human version of himself and looks at her with a proper like, little smile. We're like, cool, this is going to be, something's going to happen now. Nope. Nope. Just slit his throat. throat. Yeah. And, and he dies. And he's like, holy snaps. I just was like, how do the Cenobites die? Because they're already dead. Yeah. I don't. It made no yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like but are it, they dead? We have eight more films. I don't mean like <laughs> dead in that respect, but I mean dead as in immobile, immobilized. It's yeah, just like yeah. that they should be able to function no matter what happens to them. They literally piece people back together from their skin. Yep. It's anyway. Not good. Really disappointing. This is one of the only <laughs> things you can hope for is a battle here. And nope. Kirsty and Tiffany are wandering through the mental institute, which is now full of mayhem and dead bodies and just terrible editing like everywhere here. And Tiffany decides, no, I got to go back into hell because you remember that puzzle box that we should have taken with us when it was I, right there. Yeah, it was that was just a there. foot from our feet. I I need that so we can finish it. So I'm going to go back in. Uh, so the doors just open up again for them, and then slow motion shots for absolutely no reason of yeah. them sort of running in slow. I think motion. they bought the season pass to oh, hell at this yeah. point. Also. They just use the same shots of them running through the same hallways yes. and corridors. So it's like, you're just, this is the same shot. Yeah, exactly. You're, can you imagine how bored they got running down those corridors? Because there's so much running down these corridors. They find their way for the labyrinth very easily this time. Yeah. Get yeah. straight back to that box. And then Kirsty suddenly doesn't know what the box is. She's like, what is that thing? What does it do? Even though... You know she was holding it while Pinhead turned Tiffany's it Tiffany's like, this is why you need me, bitch. You are hopeless. Yeah. yeah. But then they go to face the Leviathan because they think that's going to help things. I don't know how. They're I brought your it. little baby Leviathan. <laughs> now, Chenard appears floating around. <laughs> I think this is a bit you're talking about, Katie. Uh, his arms are kind of like this. He's, He's just got a squiggling around. Yeah. Also, I don't understand how he gets around because I'm like, you have this giant thing in your head that's holding you. How are you going to areas that have like roofs? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that tentacle is in a stupid, like, spaghetti knot right now through all of the labyrinth where it's been, like, just winding yeah. through back on its fells, nodding itself up. I hate all of this. It's so ugly and tacky. Like, Chinar just looks ridiculous when he's sort of hovering around. And he's, he's again, I think the, the actor does a good job when he's regular, real-life Chinard, but in Cenobite Chinard, he's so over the top. It's just... Well, you know what? It's a horror movie. Well, and he's still in there with the puns. <laughs> Like yep. he beckons to Tiffany and he's like, uh, what does he say? The I don't know, I stopped writing down quotes at this part. I was like, Well, <laughs> this is just bullshit. <laughs> yeah, just died at this point. Oh, he says your case, or he said something like your case is terminal. Yeah, or something. Of that bullshit. Yeah. And then it's like I you know, yeah, we're gonna have to do eviscerations and all this. Oh, amputation. Shit. I recommend amputation. But then Julia reappears. It starts making out with him. And yeah. she's looking all weird and goopy-faced. As Tiffany finishes putting the box back together. So it's like a delay tactic. And then he strikes his tentacles into the ground. And they get stuck. <laughs> Not smart. And then the Leviathan thinks, oh, I want to put him somewhere else. So decides to try and move him while his tentacles are stuck in the ground. And his entire head rips in half. Which I kind of like this. It's kind of satisfying to see it just like... Right. It's ripped out. Yeah. I just like seeing him torn apart because I'm like, yeah, yes. go. Yeah. He fucking has to go because he's terrible. And then Julia takes off her own skin and it's revealed it was Kirsty. Well, she, the girl, little girl backstabbing, she almost falls. Yeah. I thought it was a really her. cool effect with like the skin on the arm is just because it pulls a, on like it and glove, then it yeah. like starts to fall off. It starts off. to rip, yeah. And it was really cool. Yep. Um, it was just Kirsty just grinning underneath. Just like, it's like, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. you just I did something. <laughs> yeah. I was real smart. You saw, right? You'll and, tell everyone. Yeah. And I was like, wow, she just wore someone's skin to make out with a weird blue dude. Like, you've yep. kissed your uncle already. Ugh. I think she was just like, ah, screw it. I already went down this. Wall in hell. Well, you, you had a good point with this, though, Katie, which was how you put on mm. this. No, I was saying, as a girl, there are times that you have to like try and get like a bra off without taking your shirt off. And she's got, so she's wearing Julia's skin, which is wearing a dress. She somehow comes out of Julia's skin being ripped off by her arm, still maintaining said dress. Yep. <laughs> she's how, still in the dress. How did that happen? The that scene, is magic. I want to see the real scene of this, which is this awkward fumble as she like takes off the dress. We get to see Julia's skinny, naked body, and then yeah. she has to like pull the skin off, and then she'd be naked and has to get the dress back on, and yeah. she's tripping over stuff, and then she probably falls into the labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope, does it easy. Well, she's there's one thing she's good at is wardrobe changes. She is Kirsty Cotton. She can fucking handle shit. Best thing about that girl is her hair. She's got nothing else happening for her. Meanwhile, Leviathan starts shooting blue blobs after them because that's apparently its power. Yeah, blue <laughs> little happy he really blobs. Pissed it off now. So they run out of the labyrinth and into the hospital again. As the Leviathan turns into the Lamont configuration, it turns into the box itself, which confused me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> sure did. In case they're like, do you not get the correlation of shapes here? Here you go. It's also the box. Don't understand. And then it's over. Yeah. Yep. It's just the doors are locked yeah, for some reason. You see uh, the girls like walking away later. Yeah. Tiffany and Kirsten laugh and go out to enjoy they the put day. Put their hair up. And wow. everyone that was in the hospital died because there was yeah, those. Yeah. Oh, they put like little Christmas wreaths on yeah. everyone's bed. I was like, that everyone's dead. Yeah. They're all dead. 
Like the hospital had to shut down for sure. Their water bill is really high. They're understaffed for sure. Looks like it's still operating. Other patients are dead. Meanwhile, at Janard's house, two moving men, including one who is the same guy who played the original one in the first film, who I think is the one who was going to be, who was offered to roll as Pinhead. So I think this is his consolation prize. He keeps just getting these. He's just like, he's moving everybody. Uh, they're moving Chenard's items out of his house and they find a blooded mattress because no one else would have. So if someone's died, they presume Chenard's just disappeared. So they presume he's died, I guess, or whatever. They're clearing out his house and they send him moving men before anybody goes and sees, oh, there's a huge bloodied mattress just in one of the rooms. And presumably all those bodies because... And who sends moving men? But who... Usually those yeah. houses will just sit abandoned forever. Yeah. But who... Like, got rid of all of the bodies. Yeah. yeah. How's the police now? Like, whoa, this is a freaking crime scene now. Maybe they have, since they just discovered the mattress, maybe they haven't even discovered the eight dead bodies upstairs. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, locked. It's moving it, out room. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's, like, locked. <laughs> they, they do moving, like, policemen in this film do policing. Yeah. One room at a time, please. <laughs> we don't. But, yeah, he's dragged into the mattress by Julia's arms, we think, I presume. Cause yeah, it's her mattress. it was her face. Yeah, her face comes but out It's like again, the skinless it? face or whatever. But she doesn't come out. She just drags him in, which is weird. She doesn't get re-emerge or anything. And then the other one comes through. It's finds, like halfway in. Yeah, yeah. He finds just his legs sticking out and he's half into the mattress. That was really funny. I laughed. And then what comes out of the mattress, rotating pillar yeah. emerging from the mattress on this rotating pillar, kind of like the ones that we've seen in Pinhead's kind of yeah. dungeon, I guess. It's a collage wall. Yeah, oh, but on this one we got stuff <laughs> stuck on it. Yeah. And what it seems to be is anything they had lying around. Yeah, they're like, well, what do we got laying around? So we've got Pinhead's face. We've got some miniature skeleton puppets having sex. sex. Yep. We've got Julia's face, I think. We've got some other corpses. We've got the baby doll with the sewn mouth. Uh, we've got a section of the Lamont configuration because they clearly had some set lying around that they could stick onto there. Uh, we have the engineer's face. The pink creature from the beginning, uh, from the last film. And then the derelict with locusts crawling all over his face who finishes the film by saying, what is your pleasure, sir? Cementing him, I think. Here is the confirmation that he is indeed the Asian seller from right. the first yeah. film. Because he does it even in the weird Asian voice as well, which is kind of inappropriate. <laughs> even though in the first film, you see the Asian guy's face and that is not this man. No. Why you sort of Artish or desire. Yeah, all of these, by the way, they didn't use Doug Bradley for Pinhead. They didn't use Julia's actress for Julia. This was all the effects team <laughs> who got their moment in front of the camera to get in makeup themselves, to put themselves into this box, wow. into the pillar. And, and even the derelict at the end, that's one of the main effects artists wow. who is the derelict, put the locust on his face and was pretty excited about it. I would it. not put locust on my face. No, you would not. Would not. And that's the end of the film. Whoa. Done. Oh. We a couple of little facts about this. The horn sound that I really love, made uh-huh. by Leviathan, is actually Morse code for God. Which is mm-hmm. kind of like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This film is on Roger Ebert's most hated list, <laughs> um, and it had trouble with Barry Norman, which is the UK version of Roger Ebert, pretty much at the time. He was invited on set, and they won him over through blackmailing. I feel <laughs> that's what the basically the documentary told me. Wow. 
What else do we have? Any other stuff that's interesting? Not really. Not much. So they blackmailed him and got good review. Got a good I mean, review. Well, he was kind of he was being mean. He hates horror films, so he was given the first one a terrible review, and he well, they invited him on set for I think it was the second one, maybe it was the third one, and they basically kind of talked to him about it and were like, "You're not doing your job as a critic. You can't judge films because you don't like a genre. Like you have to." You know, something is good because of what it is. Even if you don't like the genre, you have to appreciate things in it. So he did like turn around a bit on stuff and give some accolades to like the effects and some other elements that he thought was good in this film. He's like, no, it's all bad. You guys did a real bad job all the way. I stick by it. Oh, I do like this one. The clapper loader fainted during the switchblade scene with the guy was like cutting himself. He oh, felt really oh, sick really? and had to leave and then faint- fainted. I think that's pretty much so all. So what was the deal stuff. with all the budget cuts with this one? Oh, well, it's basically just because it was New World Pictures who were making it. There was a lot of stuff going on. Some people are claiming it's to do with the stock market crash at the time. But really, it seems New World Pictures, for whatever reason, were going out of business. Uh, this is the last time that we'll see them behind a Hellraiser movie. So, yeah, it was really just they're running out of money and had to get rid of a whole bunch. And they just moved forward with the yeah, script somehow, as it was. Wait here. Two seconds stayed in the movie <laughs> yeah i mean they i mean they were me- this film was meant to have pretty much twice the budget that it has to be made so justin katie watson <laughs> two films in now i'm gonna want a rough score on a normal thing out of 10 on a 20 point scale you can change this obviously once we get to a wrap up but it's, i trust me it's gonna help you now when you're looking back on these to place them in order as you're gonna have to do because oh boy the places we're going to I want to know how your feelings are in the film and what do you want from part three? I'll tell you what I don't want. Go for it, Justin. I don't want Kirsty anymore. Oh, you don't want Kirsty? She's just so stupid. <laughs> She's really stupid, man. What I do want is regular Chomper, not Izzy. I like to see just maybe new new people. It's just a new take. Just you a new take. Do you want the same kind of deal, like opening the box and like, oh, do you want something different? I do like the box. I mean, I don't, I just mean, I don't know what I want yet. I, it's kind of still new to me. Do you want to go back to hell? Nah. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, I feel like I've seen it all now. Okay. I don't want no more Leviathan spinning box nonsense, which is like, okay, the box is a god? What? <laughs> what would I rate this? How do you feel about this film? How do I feel about this film? Uh, the effects, you know, effects are still pretty cool. The script was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like... Yeah, it just felt like all the characters got really weak and shitty. Like all the Cenobites. Then they became stupid and they forgot how to do their jobs. <laughs> they should all be fired. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, my point system is that... Do you like this one less than the first one? I, I like it less than the first one. So probably like a five. A five. Okay. I would say 4.5 the lowest, but we'll go with five. Yeah, are you, uh, I mean, again, I warned you both before getting into this series. Are you trepidatious about the rest of the series? I don't even know do what you, that means. Do you still have hope? Uh, yeah. You- <laughs> Got a little hope. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Katie Watson. Oh my gosh. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, how was it? Oh, it was pretty painful. I, I was really bummed that with more... I know that they had a smaller budget, but I was bummed that with more access to information, like with knowing what the fans were looking for, with seeing that it was a pre- like the things that were appreciated about the first one, 
that this is the route that they took and that they really exacerbated things that were stupid. Like they, they, they didn't sit on their Trump cards. Like they just kind of threw ideas at a wall and put it on film what stuck. And it also like, obviously I'm not invested in this at all, but I really, really loved the premise of the first one. I really dug what Clive Barker was trying to do with that. And it, it was really sad. It just made me really sad to see it go here. And it just got so comical so fast that it, yeah, it, it only gives me, I, I'm not worried about it like going weird places, but I'm worried that it's just going to further destroy the kernel of something cool that it had at the beginning. And I'm just, I'm just, prepared to just watch that get bastardized over and over and over again. So yeah, I was I was really disappointed in this one. It just didn't have anything for me. I didn't have anything in here that I was like, yeah, but that was cool. Because no matter what you liked, even if you were like, I love the chatter, like that got tarnished. Like nothing was the same here except for Butterball and he doesn't really do anything. He didn't even lick his lips he in this one. He didn't even lick his lips <laughs> in this one. So it was just like, I don't know. You kind of just had to sit here and if Pinhead has become your hero, you watched him fall without any fight. You watched him cave on even trying to get Kirsty, who's like the dumbest of the dumb. And I don't know. I just, I don't really know how they thought that this was a good solution to any of the problems they were having after the first one. So I I would rate this really low, except I feel like what's coming after is going to be <laughs> even worse. So I'm hesitant to say this is this like really low because I just feel like it's going to get so much worse than this. So I'm going to say a four and I just feel like it's going to, I'm going to be like, that I might end up negative higher, numbers. <laughs> yeah, I might be pushing it higher later on, but yeah, I'll give it a four. Okay, and so to clarify, then what you what you want from another I, one? I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know. I really don't. I don't. I don't mind Kirsty that much. Like, I understand that she is a tool to get to a, an end, and I feel like she sometimes does that okay. But I wouldn't mind someone else. I like the whole having to open the box to get to the Cenobites. I hope it doesn't just become a free for all, and I want to see the Cenobites be more dominant. Okay. Because I feel like this is like a whole film, like the whole premise is like dominant sub thing and you're not getting enough dominant. Like you need that for this film. So that's what I hope to see. Well, I have good news for you. Dominance will be happening. Good. I want (laughs) to see some shit get real. I don't care if it's trashy or dirty or whatever. Like I just want to see some like assertiveness somewhere. So, yeah, like I said, when I first saw this film, I really hated it. Like, it really disappointed me. I didn't love, like, I loved only 50% of the original one. Uh, Now I've got more respect for the original one, but I really love that 50% of it. This one, it's kind of like you were saying, it's like the problem is, it's like anything that I do like in this one, the first one already did, and it did it better. Yeah. All the Cenobites are better in the first one. I think Kirsty acts better in this one, but she's less useful. That's the problem. It's like they've made her the focus here, they made her the lead. I'm actually fine with that. I like her both character and actress fine enough i don't think they're amazing but you know but she just does nothing here she's useless her reasoning for going to hell is useless 
so it's it's just it's longer it's tedious it's very ugly when it gets to the stupid bits i don't mind the first 40 minutes or so like the intro stuff is kind of fine the way he brings julia back yeah it's stupid and it doesn't work in timeline and we've seen it before but it's fine again the yeah i think the practical effects are pretty fantastic for the most part some of the other bits like props are tacky and stupid designs of some things are really really bad the idea of the leviathan i love but the reality of it is completely underused i didn't need to see hell at all and then yeah we end up in this resolution of like well pinhead's dead all these people are dead Cenobites are dead there's no even stinger to do with that stuff they were still intending julia to be coming back the original ending for this had julia coming back properly not the pillar which i believe is called the pillar of souls and pillar of um, souls yeah i don't know like it's not the worst i will say this i even remembered hating this movie and i actually rewatched it last year when i was on my own in london and i was like oh this is all right like i was like this is at least feels like a movie at the beginning like that's how i felt it's like it feels like a movie you know that you'd go to the cinema in the 80s and see i will say some of the films coming will not feel like movies you would go to the cinema to see. Oh, man. excellent what have we got ourselves into <laughs> <laughs> This but, isn't going to be like Friday the 13th? Uh, or for I warned you guys what you're getting into many times. I'm kind of like Pinhead. I was like, are you sure you want to open this box? For desire? But, yes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah, probably a five. Maybe something like that. Maybe a 5.5. I think, I, think I think a lot of the film is all right. I'm very um, nervous about what's about to happen. Probably yeah. nothing exciting, really. I want excitement. I want... Action. I can't, I can't say. I mean, I I, object, I know everything that's going to happen in the next in all the films. So it's I've actually seen the newest one as well. But so it's hard for me to pretend where would I want it to go. But yeah, I don't want it to go to hell again. I can say that. I would like it. I want to see more of Pinhead, but I want him to be threatening. <gasps> Does it go to space? You always want things to go to space. I want it to go to space. You wish for Jason. I want it to go to space or under the sea. Yeah, I just want it to get back to, you know, proper horror roots. Uh, be smaller, do less, to be honest. Don't try and be as crazy ambitious as this one. I don't think you need to be. Um, and get more into the, the occult. I like the occult elements of it. You, I mean, all right. Next week, we are going to be dealing with Hellraiser. Tress. Hell on Earth is what it is called. <laughs> So you might be getting some things you want, but not necessarily in the ways that you want them. Oh, it is man. Oh, jeez. So the Hellraiser films, let's just map it out now for you guys a little bit All without right. spoiling anything. Okay. They're split into essentially four eras oh. of Hellraiser. Oh. We've finished the first era now, which is the UK films. Uh, from now on, they will not be UK productions. They will be American productions. America. America. We gotta rip so people up. What are we doing? Very Is much make so. people in pain. Make <laughs> yes. them naked and in pain. Or to have more boob boobies. More booties. This movie's about boobies. No, no, no. We're about them booties. <laughs> you might well get everything you just said. Oh um, man. Oh great. It's yeah. So Matthew for, McConaughey. We're going to be losing <laughs> the majority of the cast. I'm not going to say for the entire franchise, but we're pretty much done with everything we've seen so far moving oh, forward. Shoot. Other than Cenobites, obviously. Cenobites. Then we're going to, yeah, we're going to be getting into the American era. And by the end of number four is where we come to the end of what is really seen as, like these first two are seen as one, two, one, one film, essentially. Yeah. The first four are then seen as the real Hellraiser films. Essentially. Okay. 
And then after that, we're going to begin to a whole mess of things that we're going to talk about it, whether they're kind of what they're doing with Cloverfield, spec scripts that would then had Hellraiser shoehorned into, and we're going direct to DVD. Okay. So a lot of films from then on. After four, no Hellraiser film has been in the cinema. It has, but not properly, not in a proper theatrical run. Except um, for this year. The majority of this <laughs> is going to be straight to DVD or digital releases, which we have not had with any of our franchises. Yeah. With all Excellent. of them living on the cinemas. I am so excited. Let me continue my... And then excitement. right at the end, we're going to have two films, which we'll get to it, but it will basically have been made to hold rights. That is the reason for them Wonderful. existing. Right. <laughs> Just give up the rights, man. Uh, I can up, see the guys. pain in everyone's faces. I'm looking forward to this journey. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with Hellraiser Hell on Earth. If you want to support us, please do. Just head on over to wearegeeks.com, wearegeeks.com. I'll type it in on your podcast channels, and you can get all of our old horror channel stuff there. We've done Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Child's Play, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We also do a sort of uh, every other week uh, podcast show where we talk about topical movies and games, simply called Geeks. You get all of that just by heading over to weirdgeeks.com and patching through to our podcast. You can also patch through to our social medias over there and also our Twitch streams. We don't have anything really up there yet other than a few little things, but oh boy, do we have some cool stuff happening this year. We just saw an intro sequence for a cool uh, show that we're going to be producing. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) We're all a little bit in shock uh, with what it is. But on earth. Just go to <laughs> weirdgeeks.com, go to Twitch, and then subscribe, and you'll future-proof yourself. So once it's up, you will see it all. You can also, while you're on weirdgeeks.com, email us. Let us know what franchise you want us to cover. Let us know if you're enjoying any of this stuff. We do appreciate it if you're listening. And if you just want to email us directly, mail at weirdgeeks.com, mail at weirdgeeks.com. While you're on weirdgeeks.com, why not click on the little black emblem that says we are Tesselate. They're our publisher. They're a production company run out of London, LA, and Tokyo making feature films. And we just made our first feature film, which is what we do. We do this stuff for free because uh, our jobs are we make movies and music and other things. I just talk. And we don't make free. movies for free. We yeah. don't make movies for free, no. No free movies. movies. Like, wow. Our first feature film is called Starfish and that is just at the end of post-production. Right now, you can learn all about it. If you follow us on social medias as well, I am Mr. Al White. On everything, Mr. Al White, including the Xbox, where you can play some video games with me, Katie Watson. Um, I'm at Watson Dearest on Twitter. You can congratulate me on getting a chicken dinner without killing anyone. Yeah. In PUBG. That was impressive. Everyone you know, just like go do that. Like your six run that you did. Yeah. It well. Incredible. I'm pretty incredible. And Justin. It's Radley, I-T-S-R-A-D-L-E-Y on pretty much everything. So, you want to play video games? You want to play some StarCraft? Yeah, you should play video games with Justin. It's really good. You want to play some Overwatch? I'm all in that gold. Yeah, Mon Hunter. Mon Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next Friday, we are out. Thank you guys for joining me. Geeks! Geeks. Uh, Geeks. Geeks. Justin's lost the will to live. (laughs)